Welcome back to Advocacy Arena Weekly Live Chat, where we gather to inform and inspire civic engagement each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central. Today is January 29th, the fifth Monday in January, and we are here to make some noise in our continuing commitment to start the week with some good trouble, necessary trouble, to stay informed, inspired, and uplift some good um civic engagement. I want to thank you for joining, continuing to join us, participate, and amplify this initiative of Advocacy Arena every week. Um, you are what make it possible, and I just want to thank you so very much and ask that you share and retweet the space because it is recorded, and I think it always contains a lot of information that people can go back and listen to. I myself uh, oftentimes re-listen and gain new insights and things because I'm doing a lot of, um, you know, behind the scene things oftentimes when I am um, hosting. So um, I want to, again, um, give my fabulous co-host an opportunity to say hello. Before we get our conversation started, I have some things that I'm going to be putting up in the um, nest that um, topics that we're going to be touching on today. And I was saying that um, I didn't dive as deeply into uh, Project 2025 as I had hoped, because there was just so much, you know, in real life, real time news happening. And the truth of the matter is it always all kind of relates back to them. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to my fabulous co-host and allow her to say hello and um, greet you guys, and we'll get started with our conversation. Well, happy Monday to everyone, and it's um, always a pleasure to be here in Advocacy Arena. Um, it's a joy to see so many familiar faces and to be able to have the opportunity to have this conversation um, each and every Monday. So, um, I... <laughs> was just searching for the article that I wanted. I've put up a few, but um, one of the main articles that I want you guys to um, pay close attention to is um, the CBS interview. I believe it's CBS um, interview with Sean Fain. And it's the excerpt. It gives the transcript. It gives the, so it's not just um, these sound bites and then they build a story around it. It's the, the full interview transcript. And I think that it's important for us to um, have a good understanding that this wasn't um, the UAW's endorsement of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris was not um, a lukewarm one. It's a full-bodied endorsement, and I want people to um, clearly understand that. Um, Fain, he made it unequivocally clear that he couldn't fathom any union supporting the former guy, saying that uh, the former guy has a history of serving himself and standing for the billionaire class, and that's contrary to everything that working class people stand for. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this quote uh, and many other tweets around, but um, he had much more to say. Fain said from the outset that the UAW's endorsement must be earned and that Biden had done so with a history of serving others in addition to being the first sitting UA the first sitting president to join a picket line. 
and that the Biden administration had provided key support to bargain a contract where EV work is secured for workers. Fang, uh, Fang gave credit where it's due to Julie Sue, the labor secretary, and he didn't shy away from the union stance of standing for peace. And I think that's important because they directly asked him about Dearborn and, um, you know, where the headquarters for Ford Motor Company is located. And of course, uh, the second largest population of Muslim and Arab Americans uh, or Arabs and obviously Arab Americans um, in the world. So he said that he will continue to push the Biden administration to find a path to peace in the Israeli and Palestinian conflict, and that he had faith in the Biden administration that they would do the right thing. He was quick to point out that uh, the other candidate had a history um, based on how he'd handled the embassy and a myriad of other issues. And it, it was a very stark difference between him and Biden. So this morning I woke up to an article where the former guy was blustering about the UAW's endorsement and, you know, resorting to calling names. Um, he called Fane a dope and a real stiff who was selling the automobile industry right into the big, powerful hands of China. But uh, during his interview, Fane defended the UAW stand, citing uh, Leonard Woodcock from 1970. So, you know, I want people to realize that the UAW isn't new to climate justice and social and economic justice. We've been in this for history. Historically, this has been the stance. And uh, so as far back as 1970, Leonard Woodcock, Woodcock said that it made sense to get away from combustible engines because of the poisoning it was doing to the environment. And so Fane reminded folks that the UAW has always been at the forefront of these environmental issues. And the key being that he was making sure that the UAW membership and working class have security moving through this transition. So, uh, you know, asked and answered, he's, he's made his stance very clear. Um, of course, you know, uh, the UAW is not monolithic and uh, members have the freedom and um, choice to make a different decision. But, you know, as far as the uh, official union stance, Biden is the candidate that the UAW will be backing for uh, 2024 presidential elections. Now, I also, what I did get up there was um, Sean O'Brien, the Teamsters uh, president. And yes, it's a contrast to what uh, Sean Fain has said, but, uh, you know, he's met with, he's met with Trump. Uh, I hate saying that name. And he will meet with him again. He also said that he wants to meet with Biden um, on January 31st. I think he's trying to meet with them both on the same day. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Um, I haven't seen any other news stories. But the big issues for the Teamsters are um, the national right to work legislation and bankruptcy reform. And what I really want to say is that with 1.3 million members, you know, we have to respect uh, O'Brien's decision to explore this dialogue. He owes it to his membership. You know, um, I think that um, just based on 
the size of the organization um, and the the varied diversity of uh, the membership that we can already guess that a membership of that size has a large um, portion of it that probably um, are the former guy supporters. And uh, I don't think that he is wrong for um, being certain that when he comes to a decision um, along with his um, executive board and um, his uh, the, the membership leadership that he's made the right decision for his union. Uh, and um, of course, we hope that that decision is going to be Joseph Biden. But I just really wanted to point that out, um, that, uh, you know, the, it's, it's never a certainty um, when you've had such a, a psyop being uh, done on the American public that uh, everything is going to, that unions are automatically going to go uh, in the way that we expect them to, which is um, behind Democratic candidates. Uh, of course, historically in the past, that has been the case. And um, I believe they are one of the few uh, large unions that have not endorsed Biden so far. Uh, the FLCIO, of course, came out early and strong, which is the big... Uh, union that other unions fall under the umbrella of. So my expectation is that we should hear something soon and um, we will just wait and, and see and, and move forward from there. Either way, we do not give up because we know what is best for our democracy and we know what's best for um, the working class. So uh, I know that I've kind of uh, gone into the story mode or uh, the sharing mode of, of the, the portion of the, the space, but I did want to make sure that um, we focus on that uh, and are aware and um, do what we can to support those who are supporting our um, best interests. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And I am glad that you, you know, kind of were able to kind of suss that out and um, explain the nuances um, of this uh, union activity. You're someone who um, does have a great grasp of it. And I think it is important uh, that people understand it from that uh, perspective and not just, you know, like um, the Twitter, you know, post and headlines, um, you know, looking for, you know, some sensationalism or another opportunity to um, bash the administration. I do want to begin by saying that I'm sure at this point, most of you are aware that um, we lost some soldiers in um, an attack um, on uh, some of our bases in Jordan. And, you know, the president's response was basically, you know, we will respond at a, a time and place of our choosing because um, we will not allow that to go unanswered. And uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, you know, said he, you know, he was very angry 
um, about it. And of course, you know, he is going to work with the um, the president to ensure that, you know, our military members, no matter where they are, are are safe and protected. And when they um, have been attacked, that we respond accordingly. Um, a lot of stories. So most of these can be found, found on my timeline. And I'm trying to figure out like where to start. We can start with one about the former guy, which, you know, we know that um, he had a, a ruling against him in the E. Jean Carroll case. And um, I'm so happy for her. And, um, you know, it, it's just one of many cases that he has against him. But, you know, because of the case that Tish James has against him in New York, he had a court appointed special monitor uh, to their organization. And it looks like that they have found a $50 million mystery debt uh, that looks like tax evasion. So he could be in more trouble. So that article is in the nest. Um, and um, it's actually two resources because I also put a Mother Jones article in that thread from 2019 because that's when I first read about it. But, you know, he was trying to say that this was a loan when I think one of the, that he loaned one of his Chicago properties, but turns out it's not really um, so. And they pretty much admitted that and that could um, cause him to have to, um, it could, um, allow the DOJ to bring charges against him. So we'll see. And we're going to follow that. Um, Which is uh, so ridiculous. I mm -hmm. can't believe and think of how long he's gotten away with it. Yeah. I mean, but he he's been running. He's a con man. He's been running like that forever and ever. And, you know, he likely would have been able to continue running like that, except he ran for president. Right. You know? Right. So, Absolutely. And so this is what has allowed a lot of the accountability to come about. Um, then I want to move along to another story that um, I found also interesting that um the no labels donors, um, a democratic group has filed complaints in an attempt to find out like who's funding them because, you know, it's becoming kind of, um, problematic and we know it could be a very big spoiler spoiler for the Democrats, even though they are trying to build themselves as like centrist and, you know, we're not trying to spoil anything, but it's kind of like, you know, they, they're not reading the room. And, and and their involvement at any point in this is going to be a, a spoiler. Um, and so uh, there's an article from the AP that I, I posted um, about, um, you know, an organization that is looking to uh, force them to have to reveal who their donors are, because right now they're operating as a nonprofit which um, allows them to have, um, you know, limited transparency, like, you know, kind of a lot of dark money because they don't have to expose those things um, if they are not involved in politics. But clearly that's kind of the whole purpose of, of what they're doing. And they're, you know, like being too cute by half. And so now there is like legal action being taken to force them to change that. 
And so I'm going to stick a pen in those two things. Uh, there are some other interesting articles. Just comb the nest. It looks like we filled you up. But some really great stories. I know I have Joseph up. So I want to give him a chance to chime in, say hello, and share some thoughts with us today. Uh, hello, Ms. D. Hello, Soul Sister. So uh, wonderful to start off the week again in Advocacy Arena. I've got my uh, Good Trouble mug at my desk. Um, uh, so let's see. I kind of want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the vice president's, uh, visit to Nevada. Um, because I think that was very, uh, it's very important. She's been in Nevada a lot, particularly in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, I know she met with the culinary union again, who, uh, they are going to be crucial to uh, winning Nevada. Um, I know she met with uh, Congressman Stephen Horsford, who is the representative from Nevada's uh, 4th District, who uh, I'll be following that race closely this year because that's uh, a race that we need to hold. Uh, I know Congresswoman Dina Titus, who's from Nevada's 1st District. Uh, she spoke at a, kind of a rally with the vice president. Um, I don't know if Susie Lee, who represents Nevada's third district, if she had a chance to meet with the vice president or not, but still, uh, uh, Nevada's democratic, uh, um, delegation, if you will, was pretty much in, in full, full force for the, for the vice president. So that was really, uh, really encouraging to see. Um, I don't know, of course, if the vice president is going to be making visits to, uh, Northern Nevada. Uh, because, uh, you know, Reno is, uh, the Reno area is, you know, another uh, trending uh, Democratic uh, pocket, if you will, in Nevada, as uh, a lot of people have moved to Reno from Northern California. And so they're coming from the Bay Area and uh, moving to, to the Reno area. And that's why that area has been gradually trending, trending blue. So that's, uh, that's an encouragement. And uh, I know both Nevada senators have been um, uh, very active on the timeline pushing, of course, uh, particularly the reproductive freedom as well as uh, labor talks. So, um, you know, Nevada is a very important uh, state to me. It, it is my neighbor. So, of course, I'm going to be keeping a, uh, a very close eye on that. Um, uh, here locally, I just read this morning that the Los Angeles Times endorsed uh, Kim Nguyen Peñalosa, who is one of the Democrats running in California's 45th district to take on Michelle Steele. She is my preferred candidate for, uh, for this race. I think of the three Democrats that are running, I think she has the best chance to beat Michelle Steele. And uh, so this was very encouraging to see that the LA Times... Uh, uh, endorsed her. Uh, it is going to be whoever gets the nomination. It is going to be a very hard fight uh, against Michelle Steele because uh, she has a powerful machine behind her, uh, namely her husband, who pulls all the strings. And uh, both of them uh, resort to dirty tricks all the time, and lies and deceit because that's the only way she can win. She has no uh, no platform to run on other than lies and deceit um, because uh, kind of as I mentioned on my timeline last night, I was uh, 
watching the Manchurian Candidate, the uh, the original version, and Michelle Steele's husband is basically like what Angela Lansbury's character was in that movie. He's the one that pulls all the strings, and she's just his useful idiot, literally. Um, that's a, she never uh, she never gives any like candid or impromptu speeches because she needs to be prompted uh, on what to say. Um, so that's kind of what's going on uh, out here right now. Uh, not too much news really out of Arizona, except for the fact that over the weekend, uh, the <laughs> Arizona Republican Party had a meeting to elect a, a new leader, and it was kind of a dumpster fire, which was really, uh, really funny to, to follow. And what was really funny is that Carrie Lake got booed by the crowd. So uh, I think even her own party is turning on her, the fact that she's done so much damage uh, to the state of Arizona and caused so much uh, embarrassment to Arizona. So um, that's all I got to say for right now. I'll sit back and listen to everybody else. I might have to uh, to duck out a little bit. There's some projects that my team and I are working on uh, today. But uh, thank you so much, Ms. D and Soul Sister. And also, thank you so much for coming to my space the, the other night. I really, really enjoyed it. It was such a good conversation and uh, kind of thinking about the theme for, for my next space. So uh, thank you both so much. Well, thank you. And it, it was indeed a great inaugural space. And I'm looking forward to um, joining you in, in more spaces. And, um, you know, because, you know, you talk about these races in the areas that you travel in. And so when you speak of um, the races, if we have, you know, a kind of a continuation of, of, of that topic in your space, I have another hat, uh, another uh, name to uh, to throw in the ring here from Tennessee, uh, we have a, a candidate who is running out of um, the Clarksville area, which is where Fort Campbell is located. And that is the part of Tennessee that borders Kentucky. And her name is Allie Phillips. You will find her on my timeline. She actually has a big write-up in the Washington Post. Um, she's there with Miley Cyrus. And, you know, it looks like they got top billing over um, Taylor Swift, but all Tennesseans. So I thought that was pretty cool. But the reason she decided to run is because she has um, a story. Um, she was affected uh, by the abortion ban. Um, and that is what prompted her to run. So I would encourage you um, to read that story because um, she is also part of a lawsuit that many here in Tennessee and around the nation have uh, joined against um, their states or filed against their states because they have been certainly adversely affected for uh, by it. Um, but because I brought Mud Puppy up and, you know, in my title, I talked about dark money because a lot of the articles that I'm sharing with you uh, are surrounding dark money. Um, um, I wanted to let me mention two things uh, first before that is that um, I put up in the uh, nest um, an interview with uh, Speaker Emeritus Pelosi um, asking the FBI to maybe start investigating some of these protest groups um, and um, maybe 
finding out if there are foreign actor, actors involved in the funding or participating or orchestrating, um, because I think that there are. Um, and so I'm glad that, you know, someone in, you know, it's one thing for me to say that and us to say it on the timeline, but it's quite another when a member of Congress says this and, and says that they're going to ask the FBI to start looking into it. So I hope that they do. And I'm looking forward to staying abreast of that. Also, another situation, we talk about all the protests. We know that um, we have had a proliferation of a lot of swatting going on. In fact, uh, Nikki Haley was swatted this weekend. So in reference to that story, there was a teen out of California who's being extradited to Florida, and he's 17 years old, but he will be uh, tried as an adult on federal charges because of some SWAT um, activity that he did last year that involved a, a mosque and I think um, um, a, a courthouse. Uh, so going to be following that story, too. And I hope um, that they um, prosecute to every extent of the law and that maybe it serves an example to others who may be participating in this because it's very dangerous and um, someone could get killed. Um, because, you know, there's already been just some horrendous, traumatizing things that have happened because of some of these um, SWAT calls. Um, one, I can't even remember what part of this, uh, what area of the country it was in, but a police car responding actually ran his car into a school building because I think he thought it was that dire. And of course, you know, policemen have gone into places with guns drawn. Um, but um, I want to, and I see Mark is here, and I hope when he has an opportunity, he can come up and speak to us and, and share some of his legal um, insights with us on this because it tight and, and Mud Puppy is here, so I'm going to let her speak next. But um, there's another group. Don't know if Mud Puppy has it on her long list, which I applaud her for, um, you know, compiling and continuing to update. But I discovered uh, one that had not been on my radar, and this one is actually connected to the Chevron case that is going before the Supreme Court. And it's um, um, a little-known legal group that quickly emerged as a top U.S. Supreme Court litigator is helping to steer a broad high court challenge to government agency power. So this is the tie-in to Project 2025, because, you know, they say that, you know, their their purpose is to fight the deep state, which is what Project 2025 is about. And the group is backed by none other than Leonard Leo and the Koch Network. And the court has taken three of its cases this term. And one of those cases is the Chevron case. And this group is called the New Civil Liberties Alliance. And the interesting thing um, about them and like so many of the others of them, like they form a big, broad network with lots of tentacles and they don't all work on all the same things. Some of them have very, very specific areas that they focus on. And their particular area um, is, um, they said, um, to quote them, the thing that sets um, this um, 
New Civil Liberties Alliance apart is the fact that this is not a, a side hustle like they just decided to litigate these cases. This is all they do. So, you know, I'm sure Alec is involved in this, you know, crafting the, the bills and legislating. And of course, you know, Leonard Leo um, definitely had a hand in shaping the Supreme Court that we're facing in some of these cases, certainly because of uh, some of the um, justices and uh, certain things that they have been involved in should be recusing themselves. But I don't think any of them have at this point. And there is another case uh, that they have brought um, Loper Bright Enterprises versus uh, Ramondo, which is um, involves Justice Clarence Thomas's extensive participation in uh, Coke Network events. And I will find another. But that was one of the dark money aspects that I wanted to bring up. And another one, because it is the last week in January, is that I'm sure you guys have started uh, seeing, because I started seeing last week, um, this um, celebration of sort of National School Choice Week. Um, that, too, is a dark money funded um, effort. Uh, the last week of January, right-wing groups like Charles Koch and Americans for Prosperity promote National School Choice Week. And unlike other, you know, commem commemorative uh, national weeks or month, such as Black History or Pride, it did not emerge organically. The uber-rich are funding National School Choice Week to attack public schools. And um, they... Um, list one organization again in particular this one is uh, gleason family foundation which this tends to be their pet pet project and i think one of the you know family members they have a you know a rich history figuratively and literally um in the united states um that goes back um you know some ways um and now, like, you know, I think one of the the granddaughters, but they they um, gained their fortune back in the 1865 when they created a machine shop to make gears in Worcester, New York. Um, and so now this is their effort um, to um, basically help privatized schools. So I'm going to stick a pin in that for a moment because I do want to talk a little bit more about schools. There's a couple of stories I want to share out of Texas that are um, not surprising, but still horrifying uh, nonetheless. Uh, so I'm going to give uh, Mud Puppy an opportunity to share with us, and then I will um, talk to you about the Texas story. And I see Carrie has come up too, and I appreciate it, Carrie. Um, so we'll go to Mud Puppy. And I know you have done a little digging in dark money, like uh, you keep up with uh, Bloom and, and some of his behavior. Um, and um, so we'll go to Mud Puppy and then Carrie, and then I will share this um, story out of, you know, um, one of many uh Texas shenanigans. So, Met Puppy, how are you today? <laughs> Hello, Misty. Hello, Miss Soul Sister and everybody else. Hope you're having a great Monday. Um, that is so interesting that you brought up the um, 
new Civil Liberties Alliance because I just came across them yesterday and I, I added uh, the tweet to my thread on Leonard Leo uh, because the 85 fund, which is connected to Leonard Leo, actually made a million dollar donation to them in 2020. Um, so, you know, <laughs> these people, well, Leonard Leo himself is, you know, pretty much directly involved in, in all of these cases because, right. you know, he has the big, the big bucks now with that huge donation that he got. So he can afford, oh, afford yeah. to fund all of these projects. Yeah. And if, in case nobody is aware, um, he received, what was it? A $1.6 billion? Yes, that's correct. Okay, yeah. He received a $1.6 billion donation, which I believe was the largest donation in the United States ever uh, by Bari, or Bar, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think Saeed. it's Bar, yeah. Mm -hmm. Bar Saeed, yeah. Um, and he is the owner of Trip Light. Trip light manufacturing or, or something. I don't know. He's a, you know, very wealthy individual. Out of Chicago or yes. Illinois. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so there was that story. And then I also was doing more digging on Leonard Leo. Um, and came across an interesting article from the Washington Post that was published in 2018. And it was referencing... Um, the Chevron deference case. And mind you, I'm not a, a, an attorney or have any legal background whatsoever. But um, from my understanding, the Chevron deference case, if it is overturned by the Supreme Court, would limit the powers of regulatory agencies. Um, that is just, the whole purpose of it, you know, yes. to, to take away the regulations. Yes, and and people need to understand like that would go for the EPA, um, that would go for the CFPB, who you know monitors um, misleading advertising. Um, you know, so it's basically to screw the consumers in every way possible, um, and give power and money to the rich white men. So. <clears throat> that that is my interpretation of it. But going back to the article that I found, I thought it was interesting because in 2018, um, you know, Leonard Leo said that his top priority was to overturn the Chevron case. So um, we can kind of see that he's been actively involved in 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 this issue. Um, what else? Uh, over the weekend, I made a very basic chart of Leo's connections to the groups involved in Project 2025. Um, and, you know, he he's involved in, in quite a few of them, including his uh, CRC advisors, which is a PR that, firm. Yeah, that's his own PR firm. And, and yeah. that's how he skated around. Like, it seems like he may have um, skirted some some tax, um, you know, um, 
taxes as well in the way that he took that money uh, from Saeed because he, you know, it, they moved it around through several different companies to alive, uh, uh, alleviate him having to pay taxes on it. Yeah. Uh, I, and I wish I could like, because I, you know, I, I've had to teach myself a lot, like how to read through these tax forms. Um, but, you know, I would really love to move into, like, how do I actually track the money? Um, so, you know, I'll try and do that down the line. But, um, yeah, uh, he is. Well, I'm just thankful for the, the tracking that you do do because I have read it. I just I time does not permit me to create the the graphs and the charts but i love that you have created them and i i know that they are reliable and i can rely on them because i just you know have not um had time to to create those because it is time consuming and i want to applaud you for that work and encourage you to continue doing it because it is so important and, and if you don't do that, people don't understand all of the connections because they are all connected. When I started my, you know, dive down that dark money wormhole, it was like amazing to me to see how overlapping, you know, they are either, you know, with organizations and if not organizations, you know, overlapping, certainly people within those organizations so that's why i always describe it as, as like many tentacles because they are and they just you know uh curve and swoop everywhere there are no straight lines like it's a broad network and you know the umbrella of it all is the council for national policy because each and every one of them belong to that organization and yeah know, and the atm um, is the donors trust, which I think may have been created, if memory serves me, um, by the Cokes or a spinoff of the Coke network. And I talked about this once before, but I just want to remind people what the donors trust is, is it allows these people to put their, um, to uh, bequest their funds there upon their death and decide where that money goes like it they have to honor their request if, if if their thing is you know privatizing schools then their money has to only go to those organizations who are doing that work so this is rich people not only you know dictating the you know um what happens in our democracy while they're here but even after they're dead and that's what the donors trust um fun is all about so and it uh, and it also hides the donors themselves so you exactly. don't know who you know is um providing the funding it it just says donors trust um so you know there's no transparency essentially right so goes back to us needing to get that citizens united overturned um at some time in our lifetime because otherwise um it is always going to be the rich guys who are dictating the state of our democracy and, and what occurs in it. Um, but yeah, you're so right. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add before I move to Carrie? Um, oh, uh, just one more thing. Um, and actually, the so Stop the Coup 2025, they're, um, I believe, grassroots activists, and they are 
currently, you know, trying to push back against Project 2025, and they just had a um, protest outside of the Heritage Foundation in D.C. on Saturday. Um, and they've actually reached out to me uh, to, you know, maybe collaborate on some of the stuff about Leonard Leo. Um, so if you get a chance, follow their page uh, because they are on the ground doing the work. I'm just that behind is, a computer. <laughs> yes, that is so awesome. And you've had a lot of people reach out because of your work uh, that you have done and they have noticed that. So that should tell you and show you again also how important it is. So thank you again for your consistence um, and, you know, your dedication um, to that. And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming joining and sharing with us and you don't have to go anywhere so perhaps you can chime in later um i'm gonna go to carrie and then um i'm gonna go uh, back to a story that i want to share with you guys about um what's going on in the education system down in texas so carrie my dear long time no hear from you how are no, you oh i'm good i'm good um and hello everybody and this is so exciting i just wanted to i didn't see that about uh nancy pelosi or others investigating um the protests so that's just such exciting fabulous news um I and mean, my first thought was you know during george floyd um in lincoln nebraska uh we had some people vandalize uh gas stations and places and it's we have some uh evidence but not i don't like i don't know how hard that evidence is yeah, no solid yeah, proof yeah right, that you know it was in, you know instigated by white supremacist type groups jumping in there and it seems as though the lincoln police you know didn't really bother to investigate didn't think there was any reason to really investigate that unfortunately but in minneapolis you know uh st paul minneapolis they have investigated and um indicted or i i've got to look up where they're at with that charged people for um instigating violence at these protests and in oregon and elsewhere so i'm just uh, really 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 happy to hear that and of course um thank you mud puppy for doing those charts and bringing them and everybody can study it a little bit and know about donors trust you know uh, how you know literally the bill billionaires are are calling the agenda because money court you know is people whatever but um and it reminds me i worked at a at the foundation at the university of nebraska lincoln um well with them actually and for a department and we had you know people would um designate money after they passed away for a scholarship or for travel funds or whatever and um sometimes as the uh as things change in the economy and in the curriculum all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh can we utilize these funds anymore and you have to really try to figure out how to use funds so it's just i didn't think about that with donors trust that even the people who um gave the money might be funding something in the future that they makes absolutely no sense it's just all kind of just craziness but i'm just trying to catch up and um get going and we need to educate everybody so that all of us can go out and talk to our neighbors and our family and educate them on what's going on because the transparency is going to get us out of this mess we're going to just call them on the carpet and i'm excited to do that i'm excited to work with everybody i'm excited mud puppy so thank you thank you and let's have a great week 
Absolutely. So glad to have you back, Carrie. It's uh, really good to see you, and um, I'm thinking of you always. Thanks so much. Missed you guys too so much. Absolutely, you're, and we knew that you were here with us in spirit, and I hope that you know that we were with you as well. I do. And so. All right. Well, good to have you back. And so now I'm going to dive into the story out of um, Texas. And this is um, a um, the Houston Federal uh, Federation of Teachers um, has um, called them out on something uh, that occurred, um, called out Mike Miles, the new, you know, superintendent, because they um, had a lesson about Texas independence uh, for seventh graders that has a crazy question, if slavery should be legal. <laughs> the district when when people you know started you know questioning like what what um the district said the lesson does not meet their curriculum quality standards and it will be replaced but when this article was written it still wasn't and it was you know around a lesson about the uh, 1836 constitutional convention and um you know of course the the Teachers Federation um, there has said, you know, it's just um, so demeaning and um, an example of how, you know, the model, the reform model that um, Miles has brought in is disempowering for students, you know, and, you know, that if that wasn't horrible enough, like I, I posted it, you can read it. Here's here's what this lesson entailed. Um they were asked to consider three issues um, and choose from a list of possible solution. Um, and the first issue was, should slavery be legal in Texas? The lesson read, and then it says, you can pick one of the following solutions. Um, I hope you're sitting down, keep your hats on. A, Texas should allow slavery. This would satisfy slaveholders. B, Texas should outlaw slavery just like Mexico. It is immoral and cruel. Who cares about slaveholders? And C, Texas should allow slavery for 20 more years. This way, slaveholders have time to prepare. Yes, this was in a seventh grade um, lesson plan. Um, and I don't know, I think it uh, was a, a parent who discovered it, found out about it, and, and about blew a gasket. So, again, like I said, if that lesson wasn't bad enough when Mike Mills, when he was, um, you know, asked about it and, and confronted about it, you know, he said that they would be um, changing it. It didn't meet their standards. But here's what I found interesting is that. You know, he further went on to say um, that the, you know, Eng English language arts curriculum um, does not include full length books at any point from kindergarten to 12th grade. Think about that. Kids will not be required like no kid 
will be introduced or have the requirement of reading a full-length book at all in school. Instead, he said, students read short passages and Miles says that kids can read full-length books outside of school. Are you kidding me? Really? Are you kidding me? So, um, and, and uh, I, I hope that you guys read this article and I'm going to go back and read it because I was doing like some cramming um, over the weekend trying to uh, just bring you uh, great information, stories and resources. Um, but, you know, in real life, what's going on too. But one of the things that I understand this particular district, and I'm going to reach out to Laura Nashley, which, you know, she is our adopted candidate <laughs> down in Texas um, and understands um, the nuances of what's going on in the community, especially around um, education, uh, that these this curriculum that they have put up, and, and now we know that the curriculum does not require a child to read a full-length book throughout their entire school time. Um, but it's in largely black and brown areas. That is so disturbing to me because we know that a lot of the curriculum that they do want to push, like in many of these, um, uh, what are, what is Hillsdale affiliated um, private school networks, they um, emphasize the classical curriculum, which, you know, further um, comes out to the 1776, which we all know is a backlash to the 1619 project, which was trying to, uh, you know, share some more facts about um, the history of our country, because we know that the UDC for ages um, did a great job in um, suppressing um, true education and knowledge in schools about um, the history of our country and especially around the Civil War, because, you know, they uh, clung to the lost cause um, ideology, which was inspired, they were inspired by Birth of a Nation, which glorified the Ku Klux Klan. And they, like the Moms for Liberty, went around to all these schools um, and had uh, a profound impact because they, they grew exponentially very quickly, much like Moms for Liberty, had chapters all around the country, focused on uh, schools, focused on the curriculum, had actual curriculums challenged and changed, uh, some of which were not able to be undone into the early 70s um, here in, in southern states. And, you know, it's a whitewashing of history, period. Um, but the other thing is, of course, they, they had their monuments project. And so we're dealing with these things, uh, which reminds me of, uh, of what's going on with this current rise in white nationalism, because we know that, you know, Trump is their leader now, but, you know, once he is dealt with, and he will be eventually, and how that actually looks, I don't know, but, you know, he's already getting some of his uh, lashings from, you know, E. Jean Carroll, so they may come from, you know, some obscure places, but as long as he is uh, feeling some pain, 
um, and some consequences for his behavior. I don't care. But um, wait, I lost my, my I lost track. I lost my point there. Um, help me out. Well, was- you know, as long it, what we're saying is that uh, these punishments and or this uh, this oh. opportunity to to push back on this type of behavior and uh, their attack on legislation, on education, et cetera, is it might not come from traditional. Um, avenues, but it will come. And this is one of the ways. Exactly. And that, oh, I, now I, I remember my point, was also that even when he's gone, the effects of what he's done will be long lasting, you know, um, because he's he's brought all these other things. So it's not just a matter of getting rid of him. So Mud Puppy, I was very glad to hear you talk about an organization that literally did spring up grassroots for real. Uh, to push back on Project 2025, because I think that that is very important, because I know that there is, um, you know, a group and maybe several others that sprung up um, after uh, Moms for Liberty started really um, showing what um, harm they were causing uh, with their kids and in our school. Which brings me to another story, which it's not like it's new, but... um, it's in the nest, but it's about um, Moms for Liberty. There was a story done on um, on CNN, and they were actually interviewing um, someone who served on who serves, I think, currently on the school board in the area that um, I think that's Sarasota, um, where these ladies who founded moms for liberty served on and um i think it is a it's a a video and i um also linked you know the thread i did about them and they're comparing them to the udc from back last july because i think when you listen to her talk about uh the devastating effects of moms for liberty And then you think about what I've told you about the UDC, you will see how like, even though like their numbers are starting to dwindle and people are leaving them, but those people still have that same ideology. So they may be leaving the organization, but some of them are forming new organizations um, with the same kind of agenda, just not with the toxicity that some of the original founders and and high profile people um, have brought to them. And these um, organizations have a tendency to do that. Charlie um, Kurt, uh, Turning Point USA, is is very well known for doing that. Like, um, it, you know, he is called out and we absolutely doesn't mean we shouldn't stop. We, we should definitely do it um, and, and, you know, ramp it up even more when uh, their things are called, you know, they are doing racist thing or have people, um, you know, who are definitely aligned with Nazis or the KKK. However, now I think he is becoming so extreme. I don't think that he cares, but it still matters that we call them out on that. But he had a habit once, you know, the media picked up on some really racist, um, bad behavior 
um, he would ask those people to leave the organization, you know, it, but it was just symbolic because Candace Owen was one of those people. I can't even remember what she did to like get officially oh, ousted. Yeah. I think it was a Hitler comment. That's what that it was. was. Yes. That was quite a few years ago. And I think that if she'd made that comment today, they wouldn't have even blinked because like you said, um, okay, so she was ousted from the organization, but she still headlines many of their events. Yes. You know? And when we're talking about the effects that um, are long lasting, let's think of the fact that um, uh, the Daughters of Confederacy had such an influence on uh, with the publishing companies. So even um, many of us and many others uh, after us uh, were still reading material that had been influenced by this. So it's, it is, it, it, it reverberates into the, it reverberates, sorry, into um, the future. Uh, and so while we may get rid of or, you know, um, exercise ourselves or from uh, this, this, this plague of misinformation, disinformation, hateful racism, etc., we are still going to have to battle and fight so many things. I mean, because look at all the legislation taking place in so many uh, states. So these state houses are also going to have to be uh, dealt with and that the policies that they've been able to enact. It is not as simple as you get rid of one. It is like, like you said, it has many tentacles. And, um, you know, this is what I love about advocacy arena because it doesn't, we don't just sit here and complain and gripe. We show um, the connections and connect the dots. And um, it, it gives us an opportunity to fight what is happening right now today, but also make sure that we understand that the fight isn't over just based on that one battle. We have to continue until we, um, we we rid ourselves of the cancer of this hate uh, and 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 um, bad policy that is going to definitely affect future generations. Absolutely, and you know, like again, speaking of Moms for Liberty and uh, their hypocrisy, um, I um, you know what you you talked about the textbooks and the lasting effects that they have. <coughs> We um, have, um, we know that Texas is like um, book printing central, <laughs> okay, for the United States, for a, I think a large number, um, you know, a large percentage of textbooks come out of Texas. So, um, again, it's very important that we keep an eye on it because we know that this stuff is just not limited to Texas. And, you know, one of the things that has spun out of the Moms for Liberty who started with mass and then they went to CRT and now they're on this DEI thing, you know, and so this DEI thing has more tentacles to it as well because it embraces the affirmative action issues and things. And, you know, it's not just, you know, classrooms and, you know, um, K through 12, but it's higher education. And it's also now employment, um, which brings me to a story. Um, I think you, Utah is the latest to institute a ban on DEI. And I am going to try to get together a list of all the states that have done that now in our state. 
did that some time ago, and we lost a, a great president to our um, HBCU uh, because of that and, and other things, and it hampers people's um, hands. And I was reading, um, I don't know if it's in this article, I think it's in the, yes, it's in the, the article on Utah, yes. And he talks about that he doesn't want, he wants to ensure that it will, um, after this legislative session, it will not be happening here in um, Utah. And what he's talking about is like in, um, in employment situations, um, people have to um, sometimes sign, you know, contracts and things, basically saying, like, you know, I'm not going to be racist and I'm not, you know, just adhering to standards that have been put in place to help to spread um, equity. And so they don't want people to have to adhere to that um, in employment situations. And, you know, Texas already passed um, um, a bill to get rid of it. And like I said, th this is not just the education part, but it's also the the employment process. So it probably much like Brown versus board uh, when the schools were integrated. Yes, we, we got to go to the same classrooms and have the same nice new books. What we didn't get was our black teachers from our black schools, many of them who were much higher, um, you know, uh, much more educated than some of their white counterparts. And this is another story that we need to continue talking about is because um, I can't even remember where, where I read this story, but I know that somewhere they're kind of doing away with um, certifications. I think it may be Florida and, you know, they are just kind of issuing and, 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 uh, complaining because there are too many requirements, you know, for a teacher. And this is the situation we're facing here in Tennessee with our education commissioner, who, by the way, came from Texas and was in charge of a um, a charter network that was started by uh, Jeb Bush. Again, the name escapes me, but part of it, it's written in, you know, uh, the law that the education commissioner should be licensed to teach in classrooms. She is not. She is not. She has never taught, you know. So I told you she's pretty much our Tennessee DeVos. And um, the Democratic, um, some Democratic legislatures are um, pushing for her to resign. Um, they're cranking up the heat. Of course, Lee is sticking to his guns and, and claiming that, you know, she is qualified, but she's also attending some classes <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I maybe mean, attending classes and still not being certified and probably, uh, you know, I mean, certification doesn't happen overnight. I speak to any teacher. This is so ridiculous. And this is what they want to do. And I'm like, how, you know, they're often the ones who are beating their chest and talking about American exceptionalism. But how does it make us as exceptional or create an exceptional future, you know, when, you know, like we don't want our kids to read a full length book? in school like are you kidding me that was like I, i'm a nerd and you know i i got my love of reading in 
part from my mom, just modeling it. But I got exposed to books that I likely never would have because of a class assignment like Evangeline and, you know, which is, you know, not really a book, but a point. But my point is, is that, um, you know, it just uh, strips away uh, the foundational uh, aspects of learning that, you know, I just kind of, even in, you know, me being the first wave of, of uh, integration, knowing that it, you know, it still had a lot of kinks to get worked out. I knew I was being exposed to things that, um, you know, like just made my uh, a enriching, a, a more enriching um, tapestry of learning, like not just, you know, ABCs and, and arithmetic, but, you know, the arts and, and, and literature and, and those types of things. And they are very important. But these things, too, are things that they're slowly stripping away, like uh, many of uh, the schools no longer offer, like, school athletic programs. Some of them uh, here in our committee, like these kids, in order to get involved, have to join these, you know, like, private leagues and things like that. And what? Guess what? those things cost money because those coaches are paid a lot because my ex-son-in-law does it. So I know. And that saddens me as well, because not only, you know, like, are they being deprived of like this, this, um, I think, um, ability to create esprit de corps, team spirit, and have physical exercise and, and find talents that, you know, maybe they're not strong academically, but athletically. And it matters because sometimes that, you know, recognition of their athletic uh, abilities can help boost them and encourage them to, you know, lean into the academic because in, in most places, like, you got to toe the line on both. So, you know, I just see them like diminishing our children and in, in, in every aspect of their life over and over again. And it's it just saddens me. And, but it also frightens me because it lets me know, like, this is, you know, how you um, like take over a population when you dumb them down because um knowledge is power and they they're taking away our power our children's power and an uneducated populace is the most easiest to um you know control and that's what they're doing and while complaining and, and accusing us of indoctrinating this is what they want to do uh, to us and our children. But go ahead, Mud Puppy, and tell Sister Chimian if you, you want. Well, I just wanted to say that, that it all, it dis, it's discouraging any um, continuing education or higher education. Um, it also diminishes the self-esteem of, of these students. They're going to be ill-prepared. I mean, if you're not reading a full book, then how are you exercising... Um, a full opinion on uh, on 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 a subject, you know, because if they're not reading a like book, developing, then are they a, right? How are they developing their communication and writing skills? You know, critical thinking. Skills, critical thinking. It's this is um, this is demonstrably on purpose, and it's damaging on uh, many different levels and like you said if you if you're not doing well academically most schools don't even allow you to participate 
in um, in uh, extracurricular activities that are associated with schools, um, even private organizations that these kids, there might still be um, uh, an academic uh, requirement. I mean, my son has been a skateboarder for, you know, uh, since he was like five years old. He says four, but, you know, I know the difference. And um, I remember when I would put him in these camps, um, you know, a good friend of ours who is, he became a good friend who who runs the camps, owns a skate shop. um, He would often tell them, you know, I'm looking at your grades. He had the ability to, to do that because it was, it was tied into the school district. Um, And, and, you know, Hey, (laughs) you're, if you're not meeting, uh, you know, the requirements, he had the ability to be like, okay, you sit out this week, uh, you know, and he has a full skate team. I mean, it's just really, it's it's one of those activities that is very big here in our community. Um, and they do a lot of neat stuff. Um, they do a lot for the community and they're very active. And so, uh, you know, these, these are things that some of these kids would miss out on and it, it, just, it would keep bad. kids out from getting in trouble oftentimes yes, too exactly. you know because they have a a purpose and a focus and if they don't have that you know like they're kind of left to their own devices and exactly. uh, mm-hmm. which are not necessarily always the most productive mm-hmm. uh, you know it's just it has so many it has so many uh negatives that that go along with it and uh, we know that they're doing on a purpose. We see it. And we just have to make sure other people realize that. Absolutely. So um, Mutt Puppy has her hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, just on the topic of uh, indoctrination and schools, um, I shared up in the Jumbotron um, a bill that has been proposed by the Florida State Legislature Um which is, so this is the bill, an act relating to patriotic organizations authorizing school districts to allow representatives of patriotic organizations certain opportunities to speak to students, distribute certain materials, and provide certain displays relating to the patriotic organizations, requiring certain school districts to provide a date and time for such patriotic organizations to speak with students, distribute materials, and provide certain displays, prohibiting a school from discriminating against certain organizations in the use of a school building or property under certain circumstances. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) uh. I mean, are we building the next Hitler's youth? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and, and, and the patriotic part is is kind of like um, that the code language that you, they use, because also in describing their um, the description of uh, their curriculum, which, like I said, it's called classical education. And then they talk about a 1776 curriculum where the focus is on patriotism and family values. And so speaking of that, like you said, indoctrination and cult, um, there is a story that like blew me away. I put it up there, uh, white Christian nationalism with the patriarchal cherry on top in all its glory. And this is a guy 
who is a minister out of Texas, and he is basically loudly and proudly saying that women should not have the right to vote. Like, we don't have enough sense. So, you know, they've already taken away our body autonomy. And so next on the chopping block um, is our right to vote. You know, and the fact that, you know, like any woman can support these people is beyond me, but they do have it. I mean, it's it's like a cross between uh, Handmaid's Tale and uh, the American Taliban, because he also like he has this dominionist um, mentality, but, you know, he crosses some different um, ideologies, but they're all very um, extreme and, and religious. And one of the things that he pushes is something which I didn't even know was a movement is called the covering movement. And this is women having to wear covering over their head. And one of the articles that I linked to from it is from um, a group in um, Canada, and it, it, it goes as far back to 2009, and it could go further, but that's just what I found. And it's like, a, you know, a um, testimonial from this young woman who is explaining why she decided to, to make that move and what that experience was like. And it wasn't even like her church was demanding it. Um, you know, she was just um, expressing her embrace, embracing the fullness of her religious practices and was choosing to do it. But now, I guess it's become a movement. And this minister, his name is Webon. Um, he has um, a church in Georgetown, Texas, which I think is near Austin. Um, and so he pushes this same ideology, too. And I think um, not long ago, we talked about how they um, passed a law or trying to pass one also in Texas so that we know that there's a shortage of guidance counselors to allow ministers um, to come in and take the place of that and, you know, provide um, um, counseling and spiritual guidance. So, I mean, they're not really, really trying to hide it anymore that, you know, they want to infuse our children with these religious views. And it's, it's so scary. And, and what's even scarier is that as we've seen, um, allowing um, youth ministers access to youth has not turned out to be um, exceptionally uh, healthy for our youth because mm -hmm. of the rampant abuse that we've seen reported. They know it. We know it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, they're always accusing, you know, Dems of being pedophiles and groomers. But, you know, even going back to this, because in my tweet, I, I still I still remember them like the Mitch McConnell's and then, you know, because um, of President Obama's name, although, you know, they were trying to associate him with extreme Muslim ideology and accusing um, saying that he was going to. Uh, bring um, Sharia law in um, to effect. And then when he was trying to pass the um, 
Affordable Health Care Act, accusing him of death panels. So, you know, I knew it was absurd yeah. then, but what we can, you know, understand from that, it's always projection with these guys. It's always projection. And, you know, like I said, you're forcing women to have babies and some of them will ke be kept and some of them won't. What happens to those that go to, you know, foster care systems? And I know here in my state, uh, like our foster care system is near collapse, near collapse. It was... Um, just like over um, a little over a year ago that the kids were sleeping on the floor in the offices of the Department of Human Services. Um, and then, you know, I told about a story where they did eventually, you know, move them into housing. Um, but when the person who is charged with inspecting those facilities went they were deplorable they were horrible um some of them weren't being fed there were holes in the walls it was crazy and you know so again you know these are the christians this is what the christians want and they think you know like i said no regulation no taxes and no unions and their ideology it like goes back really far to now that we know to like the 1930s with the um, conservative manifesto. And they they didn't think that Social Security was necessary because, you know, that kind of stuff could could be taken care of by the church, you know. So um, it's so. Um, it's so. Mm, when we like see we're living we see what they're doing and that's why um I'm gonna let you have it, the mic again in a minute my puppy i just have very little patience and tolerance for people who want to play around like this is the election of our lives we have 10 months to decide whether or not uh, we will remain a democracy. I think I, I retweeted someone that I thought was just a really nice, clean, like, you know, America is going to have a national IQ test. <laughs> and essentially we are. Are you sane or not? You know, are we going to have a democracy or not? And that is just how simple it is. And so um, I, I have been in some spaces i was going into more you know different types of multiple spaces during the holidays because i had a little bit more free time and was relaxed but i will be refraining um more and more from that and real being really choosy about where i go what i allow to proliferate in my head because see it drives me crazy uh, to have um people you know, in spaces allowing misinformation and disinformation or to see chaos agents come into spaces that, you know, are uh, trying to be informative and have good conversation and they are not honest brokers and they come in to derail it. And I mean, it, it's it's something that we've seen happen before. And I have um, been in a couple of spaces recently where that happened. It's so exhausting and uh, draining. And I will not be participating in that. I will be protecting my peace um, and working, like I said, to build this 
fire hose of truth and ask as many other people to join in with me because there is just so much energy spent talking to people who have no intent. You, you're not going to be able to change their mind. They just want to have a battle of wits with you or go back and forth with you. I mean, like how many of you honestly think that you can convince MAGA um, that, you know, Trump is harmful to them at this point? No, they have drank the Kool-Aid. It is a cult. And um, to that extent, the same has been done with some of these youth on the left by Bernie, you know, just this populism that has poisoned their civic brain. And we do not have time um, to deprogram them at this point. Like, you're going to need some time. And, and the time that we would take, like, I'm not saying don't make that effort, but I would say that's an effort that is um, would be more productive, like in a real life situation where it is someone that, you know, they have a level of uh, trust in you and you can do it more slowly over time. But in a space to think that you're going to change someone's mind, mm, I don't know. You can give it a try and a go if you want to. Um, I know that uh, malarkey has, has come in and, and, and they go to spaces, but they've been going to those spaces for months and, and, and talking to them and slowly. But again, I would say watch the time that you spend kind of doing that because it's time that we could spend, um, you know, amplifying the uh, Biden administration's messaging um, and uh, talking to people who maybe really don't understand or are not engaged. And because I think that a large part of, um, you know, what's going on is voter apathy, you know, like people are just sick of the politics. And, and I get it. If you're not someone who is watching it all the time, you know, they, some kids, you know, they just feel like, you know, um, it doesn't work. Both parties are bad. And like, you know, if he did all this bad stuff, how come, you know, the checks and balances didn't work? And it's like, you know, it's like a whole civic lesson that has to kind of be developed over time and, and, and teaching them um, about that. But, you know, kind of reaching them where they are. And I just don't feel like me personally, I've been doing this for a little over three years now and watching it. It's not possible in spaces because one, you don't even know who people, if they are who they really say they are. Okay. But with that, I'm going to, you know, um, stop on that note on that. But I just want to let you guys know, I appreciate that, you know, you send me invites or whatever, and I'm not telling you to stop. But if you don't see me show up, you will please understand why I am protecting my peace. Um, and saving my energy so that we can come here and have these conversations that we do every Monday. And then there are a few others um, that I will um, go into. But it's important, too, that people, um, you know, know how to moderate these conversations. Like, uh, you can't just open up a space and, you know, just let everybody talk. And again, you know, like I, when people are going to do that, I try to give them tips and things to help them have, you know, productive conversations because I've, I've learned a few things um, the hard way and I don't mind sharing them. But like I'm not really trying to teach on the job how to do that right now because we have a very, very, you know, important job and task uh, ahead of us. So I just wanted to take an opportunity to say that. Go ahead, my puppy. <laughs> No problem. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, 
Um, I actually just wanted to go back to the conversation about schools and um, just wanted to read a paragraph directly from the Project 2025 Mandate for Leadership document. Uh, this is on page 37. And uh, let me go ahead and read this. So pornography manifested today in the omnipresent propagation of transgender ideology and sexualization of children, for instance, is not a political Gordian knot inextricably binding up disparate claims about free speech, property rights, sexual liberation, and child welfare. It has no claim to First Amendment protection. Its purveyors are child predators and misogynistic exploiters of women. Their product is as addictive as any illicit drug and as psychologically destructive as any crime. Pornography should be outlawed. The people who produce and distribute it should be imprisoned. Educators and public li librarians who purvey it should be classed as registered sex offenders and telecommunications and technology firms that facilitate its spread should be shuttered. That is what we're up against in Project Yes, I mean, it, it's, um, it's fascism. It's, it's straight up fascism. Like they have studied, um, you know, these books. I'm told, you know, that the, the former guy keeps it, you know, on his nightstand. Um, but yes, and they're not being quiet or, or silent about this. So again, like I said, this, as you said, this is what we're up against. And there was another like horrific, um, like three minute rant. And I'll try to find that and put that up in the nest where I'm not even sure where the former guy was, but he was giving a speech and he was talking about all the things that he was going to undo. I think maybe I talked about that oh, last yeah, week. Yeah, I think it was after the New Hampshire thing. Yes. And basically it was, it's, it felt like point for point. I forget how many points there were. Ten, uh, there were 10. 10, mm -hmm, 10. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, uh, it, it, it was like, this is what I'm going to do. And you could tell it, he was reading it from a teleprompter and it felt like he was reading from, uh, the 2025 website on his own. Like, I, I mean, like verbatim rather is what. Well, I'm so, you know, he's, he's lifted some of the ideology out of there, but you know, he's not to be outdone. So he's definitely going to use that, but he has his own, do you remember agenda exactly. 47? Exactly. So, Which um, is basically the same. I mean, because he's a cheater. So that's what they do. They, they, uh, steal. Um, yeah, in this well, case, he, it wasn't a good theft, but yes, but he also enhances because he, yes. remember I said that he has some things in his agenda 47 that scares the heritage foundation. Okay. That right. scares those people. So, you know, it has to be pretty awful. Um, yeah, and he, but Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, I mean, but he has basically his plan. He he says, and I we talked about this a few weeks back in his Agenda 47, um, that he plans to nationalize. So it won't even be a thing up to the states anymore. He's just going to flat out nationalize 
uh, private schools and fire a lot of teachers because he's also going to fire, you know, in that video, he talked about um, basically what he was describing without saying it was his schedule F which yeah. he instituted the executive order he instituted before he left office, but didn't have a chance to enact. Right. Um, so, you know, part of the presidential um, training academy that the Heritage Foundation has is um, to give him those ready people because they didn't have the loyalists ready and he, he didn't win. So, right. um, but that's what he was describing. He's talking about like firing all these people um, and um, moving um, their uh, a lot of agencies and stuff like he did. the I think it was the land, of, uh, the Bureau of Lands or something like that. So he knew he didn't have the authority to fire these government workers. And that's kind of why and how I think he got to the Schedule F thing. But before he got to that, in between that, he wanted these people um, gone. So he moved their agency from, you know, D.C. to Colorado. Right. And if they didn't transfer, they didn't have a job. They didn't have a job. Right. I, I think it's important to point out um, for anyone who's listening who might be thinking, well, then, you know, um, okay, so I just won't vote for the former guy. It, it, this, is the, this agenda is for anyone who um, sits in that Oval Office who is from the GOP. This would not stop in him. And, and even, I would even go so far as to say um, any uh, third-party candidate who is compromised in any way and owes anything to them for certain backing, you know, or, or whatever have you. But more importantly, I don't believe that um, they're being very clear about what they're saying is pornographic. They're not talking about going after Pornhub. They're talking about going after like the bluest eye, you know, just, just uh, classic books that um, they feel are pornographic that they put in certain uh, trigger words. And if it shows up in, in, uh, in anywhere in the writing, then all of a sudden that book is classified as um, pornographic. And it, it's, it's not equal. Um, and it is not necessarily that the book is pornographic. It is just the fact that this is a way for them to control. And it goes back to Christophasism. And I, you know, I know you've pointed it out, but I'm just, I just want to reiterate that because, um, you know, even this covering of the head, that is not something uh, that uh, in any way progresses the society or moves our, our agenda towards uh, um, uh, any type of better democracy or, or, or better society for us to live in. That is directly related to um, uh, a Christian-based uh, uh, ideology that is about control. And it is, it is really intolerable that... Uh, I see so many women and, um, uh, you know, uh, we know who they are, uh, who, who still endorse uh, voting against their own interests, thinking that they're safe without realizing or without accepting it, accepting it. I think they hear it and they think, yeah, it'll never happen to me. And I just don't believe that they will be unscathed. And I'm shocked that they think they will be.
Well, you heard, but yeah, I mean, but some of these people like, like not all women were fighting for women's right to vote or advancement because some of them brought into that ideology and, and that cult mentality, yeah, like absolutely. the founders of the UDC, they, they didn't embrace uh, women having voting rights. And I can't remember, you know, the other lady like in the 60s when the, um, you know, in 70s when, you know, the feminist movement started oh, yes. to really gain steam. She was from Texas, but, you know, like uh, Phyllis. Um, Phil is oh, yes. Uh, and they did a great, great um, series of her. Uh, Julia Roberts played her on uh, on Hulu. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find it and maybe just post a screenshot of it because mm -hmm. I know who you're speaking of. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the other thing is that, um, you know, um, I wanted to share some good news because this is where I say we have to promote. Um, you know, the positive things that are happening. There is a, uh, uh, the Ways and Means Committee has made a significant bipartisan move to approve the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act of 2020-24. And it would include um, a provision of the child tax credit. It is not exactly the same. Um, but it is better than nothing, and it's pretty darn good. And I think another thing that we need to be telling people um, about is that, like, the tax setup and, and relief that Trump set up um, had triggers. And, and we're at the seventh year where the worst trigger is taking place. And so, you know, when, you know, you talk to people about those kind of arguments and things, um, we are going to need to be able to succinctly uh, explain to them that these were the tax cuts um, that the former guy gave, but were designed to be taken away little by little over time. But the ones at the very top were always going to be permanent. So, um I understand that there is some breaking news and I am trying to grab it for you guys. Um, House of Representatives has been subpoenaed by the Department of Justice. Okay. Yeah, I put that tweet in the nest. I'm looking for the news story right now. So as soon okay. as I get it, I'll let you know. Well, that's very, mm, yes, that is some... Um, hot information hot off the press and i just want to thank you guys for um sharing that but they're investigating something big it would seem and it's time for all these things to be stepped up so i'm very very happy about that and while you're looking for that i do want to remind people too i think i've already put it in the nest but of course we have this border issue going on and of course it's just been drummed up um as a campaign um kind of talking point and and they do this so often but now they are tying the ukraine funding to it and uh so um that makes it pretty crazy but what um this is a bit of information that you need to let people know that um you know if any of them try to tell you that um you know we're spending too much or you know the european countries need to um carry their load um we we do not contribute the most the 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 eu contributes most of the money to um the um the um to ukraine um comes from the eu the majority of it does um 
that the Office of the Sergeant of Arms has been um, has been subpoenaed for documents issued by the. Okay, so I don't know if this is in reference to January 6th or not, but I see a couple of people coming up. So uh, perhaps they want to talk about this. But, um, you know, like I said, it's breaking news and uh, I'm sure we'll be learning more about it tonight. So um, got Ingrid and then um, Carmen. Ingrid. Hi, it was so fast. Thank you. Hello, D and hello, Soul Sister. I am so happy to Hi be there. on this space today with you guys. I was here trying to invite a couple of people over because they, like I said, I come here and I'm always learning and, and I just love the news that sort of breaks while we are learning together and spreading the love as well. But um, every time I thought of something, D, it's almost like I felt like we were connecting. You will say things when you said dumb down, you know, the, the population. It was like, I'm going, dumb down the population. And then you're like, you basically said it in your own way. And I was here cracking up on my end with when you were talking about education. Because that's exactly what I've seen that happened in Venezuela, guys. Um, when, when Chavez came in, you know, he was like the Bernie Sanders, right? Everybody was happy getting all these, the, the, the free things, you know, he, you know, people were getting houses. It was like a sugar high. Everybody was on top of the world. And then of course he died. Um, I don't know if his died his death was speeded, sped up, but he died. And now when you see education gone down um, and now people are not getting the education, now they don't know what's going on. It's like the history of Venezuela is dying off. And the longer he stays in power, you basically, you, you know, you, you lie to your, your people, things die. And, and I'm seeing it happen here, guys. And, um, and, 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 and I want to say that I, I, I see it. And you guys know how deep I am about the Constitution, and you guys know how deep I am triggered with January 6th, since that was that when I became a citizen in 89. But when I see what's going on, this, this is serious as hell. I hate Project 25 with a passion because whenever it, it, it triggers me, because whenever I hear it, you're telling me that we're getting rid of the Constitution, okay? That's what that's telling me. We got 27 amendments. And I'll be damned if we're going to get rid of the Constitution. It's a construct. It's a living document. We, we are improving on it. We're moving from it. We saw how bad it was, but then how, we, how it's improving. But then when you really look at it, it's really interesting. Because when you look at the First Amendment, and it gives you all those, those rights, right? But back in the day, those rights only belonged to white men with, with property, okay? But now, because of the other amendments that followed, that First Amendment rights now spreads to all of us, every single one of us, everybody, we the people. And that's the interpretation of it. That's the beauty of it. They want to take away the women's right to vote. You can't do that. You can't take away the 19th Amendment. But guess what? That 19th Amendment got strengthened in 1965 with the voting rights, okay? It now spread. So now you can't take away that right either. It's an amendment. It takes hell and high, I mean, 
to get rid of an amendment. Okay, Ingrid, we we understand. We're not going to. No, 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 I understand, but I just wanted to say that we have. I just want that the the. How should I say? The, we we need the enthusiasm. We need to encourage people because we know what's going on, and you you help this space so much, D and Soul Sister. But I just want that enthusiasm because there's so much that we could offer. It is there, and the people in office are doing. Look at the news you just dropped here. They, we are working. It's working. The wheels are turning, and this is our our time to make sure that our Constitution, our America, continues progressing for all of us because it's here for all of us and thank you for giving me the time to speak but I just wanted to tell you the excitement I was feeling that I wanted to share and I wanted to bring it from the constitution because that's what we have that's the tool we have and we have to hold on to it because we need to grow it grow it for us not for corporations thank you well, thank you, Ingrid, and I appreciate that and always appreciate your passion. And absolutely, I mean, you know, when um, we uh, talk about the deep state, essentially that's what they're saying. They want to uh, destroy our democracy, and that democracy is, um, you know, a constitutional republic. It's a democratic republic, you know. And so, um, yeah, they, they want to um, rewrite it, reshape it. Um, to their um, image and, and ideology to fit their agenda. But thank you so much. And I appreciate always your enthusiasm. And, and that's how I feel about democracy. Like we have to come together on it because, um, you know, we do have an opportunity as long as we have it to perfect it and improve it. But without it, we don't, period. And so um, it's very important um, that uh, when we're talking about this and and I am excited, I, I feel very hopeful. But at the same time, when I sound the alarm, it's because I want people to know what's at stake. Like we cannot ever. It's all hands on deck. So much so brings me to another story. Um, that we have some former presidents coming together to do some big fundraising together. Um, because they understand how um, what's at stake, too. And I imagine that some of them may be coming out as things unfold, saying uh, much more. So um, with that, we'll go to um, Carmen. And then I know I'm getting a bunch of DMs on the news. So maybe we'll have some more on that. So, Carmen, how are you today? Good afternoon, Dee. And good afternoon, Soul Sister and everyone in the space. I just feel like I'm at home when I'm here. I just wanted to um, uh, talk about how, um, especially the misinformation and disinformation that is, um, is pretty much on the Spanish outlet channels. I talk to my mom quite frequent, and the latest news is that... Uh, that the, you know, the Puerto Ricans received all this money, you know, like the child tax uh, credit and all this money that they received, that now uh, Puerto Rico is hiring migrants, uh, immigrants, migrants, to do the work that the folks don't want to do because they got all this money. And I, you know, I just keep, you know, I'm tired of 
people blaming President Biden for trying to work for the American people. Uh, but this is happening. All of this, you know, we have an issue with the Spanish outlets uh, that is happening, not only in the Puerto Rico island, but here in the, you know, in the channels of Univision and Telemundo. Uh, so I just, I hope that the new ministry, you know, the Biden administration is aware of all this, that uh, is, this is an ongoing battle that, you know, we have to, we have to just uh, try to get the facts to these folks because they are really misinformed from all these, you know, TV outlets. So I wanted to share that because I thought it was important. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And it looks like I may have a little bit about what happened. I think um, uh, Peter Navarro just got to his found out stage. <laughs> so um, I am uh, not certain, but that what I've been reading is what I, um, you know, understand is happening there. And Carmen, I'm so glad that you had an opportunity to come in and, and share with us um, today and to like remind us of, you know, what is going on there in Puerto Rico. And that, you know, like I still think about that crazy story where um, <laughs> uh, I think it happened a couple of times, people at the airport um, this is what happens when you dumb down a society. Didn't they thought it was a foreign country? <laughs> so well, I think it's, so, it's unbelievable, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I think that maybe they are changing uh, their um, their license or or something because of this. I, I I'll have to. That's just a you know a story that I I'm, I'm curious about. But I remember when that was happening, and I was floored that you know like they were literally, um, you know, confronted by people who didn't believe that um, you know they were part of the contiguous United States, uh, and um, then you know, like I said, you got this push where you know kids are not going to be reading whole books like you know you know I, I just can't envision a future where you know kids are not going to have that experience in their school life like you know if you don't have someone in your real life you know telling you about the importance of, of books and to develop a love of them because you know many times and uh for many kids it is a a way to escape or to um to believe and to dream of possibilities that they may not see before them, but you can read it in a book. So, um, yeah, I think um, that uh, I put the the story in the nest, but this is about um, Peter Navarro, and you know that this um, contempt of um, Congress, um, and so I am glad that maybe this starts a, a wave of accountability. And I remember Glenn Kirshner, he was, um, I think he tweeted something or or maybe it was um, Earl Stevens, who used to be the editor of the Stars and Stripes, but that this was the year, I think it was, or this was the year of accountability. And, and I like that idea and I want to embrace that. And I hope that, you know, we just see more and more accountability, you know. Um, go ahead, Ingrid. I just wanted to add something very simple. Republicans want to take us back. 
I don't know about y'all, but when I was raised, I was raised that I'm supposed to be better. Our, our family's supposed to move forward. Um, I, I raised my daughter, you've got to be better than me. Whether, whatever that is, but better, progressing. And Republicans want to take us backwards. Democrats are forward thinking. And we have to keep that in mind. That's exactly what's going on. And we have the proof is right there for us to see. Every time they turn around, they want to take us backwards. And we do not want to go backwards. We go forward. What they say R is for reverse. D is to drive. I love driving. Very real. I like to reverse. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ingrid. I appreciate that. And yes, everything that they are um doing is in an effort to take us back to some, you know, grand um, time in their mind um, that the United States was better. I mean, better for them, but, you know, not for us, like uh, the robber baron uh, period. And it won't actually even be better for, um, you know, some um, white people who think that they have privilege that um, they will not be enjoying um, either. And it, you know, just takes me to back to that period, you know, in Germany where a lot of people felt like, oh, well, I, I can taste a little or I can take part in a little and then I'll get to decide um, when I stop. And it doesn't work like that. Once fascism comes, it's it's a flood. It's, 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 it's um, slowly and then all at once. And there is no going back. I mean, we're going to have to fight and claw like hell to to get out of that. So we just cannot allow ourselves. The time to fight is now. And I I think last week, maybe I put a, an article in the nest about Germany and this kind of the attitude that we have to have. There was basically a, a kind of a, a resurgence of a. Um, a Nazi type party trying to, you know, because they have a parliamentary um, system trying to form and um, they had like outrageous protests in the streets so much so in some places like they're just it wasn't even safe. There wasn't enough space for people to be out protesting because like they are like we've been here. We've been here. So it's so important that people recognize that. And um, as I said, that's again why um, I'm, I'm just being very careful about how my, I use my energy and where I spend my time because it's, for me, I'm laser focused on the stakes and the media is going to keep doing what the media does and social media is going to keep having, you know, like, the people behaving the way they are and getting worse because we know this uh, guy that now owns this app uh, brought it to stop good discourse that was occurring in, you know, the public square, the town hall, so to speak, because that's kind of how I've always thought of these spaces is, you know, like um, a general town hall, virtual town hall of citizens and people all across the country and sometimes the globe coming together to talk about um, what's going on in their country and um, how it affects them and um, what they're going to do and how they can do it and coming together and just um, 
forming a sense of camaraderie. And I feel like that's what we're doing or what I hope that we're doing here is forming a camaraderie around democracy. Like, like, can we just put everything else on the back burner? Can we, can we make sure that we secure the democracy, you know, as imperfect as it is that we have right now? And there are so many forces coming uh, from so many different directions, like, you know, some of these young protesters and people like that, like they don't even, some of them don't even really, I think, have full understanding of, of what they're out there, their, their tools uh, being used and, and given uh, a script um, that uh, really kind of um, is some parts uh, are part of Russian propaganda and that takes me to a um, couple of other things that I put up in the nest about, you know, basically, I mean, but it's not surprising, I'm sure, to the people who come in here and, you know, listen and talk um, and share that um, Julia Davis talks about Russia is very happy to see the chaos that is occurring in our country at this time. He is happy that um, the Ukraine funding is being held up um, and and he knows that it is Trump that is driving the train, so to speak. And so they're happy about that, too. And they're just trying to hold out uh, a little bit longer. But in that respect, um, we have the wheels of democracy turning more because it looks like um, Illinois just joined uh, the uh, group of states to, um, you know, prevent him from being on the ballot. And I, I think I put that in the nest. If not, I know it's certainly on my timeline, not too far down. So, uh, so sister, did you want to chime in? Are you still trying to digest and <laughs> take in the news? Hello. I'm sorry. Were you were you calling me, Miss? I did. Yeah. I'm so uh, sorry. Um. Yeah. I um was trying to deal with some home issues right now. <laughs> sorry. But um. So please, uh, let me know what you forgot. I mean, what I forgot, what I missed. Sorry, um, I'm a little discombobulated. No, that's okay. That's just kind of how it goes. That um, some days. <laughs> um. But I um was talking about. Um, the, I was trying to read the, the article, but I was also talking about, um, the tweet from Julia Davis, um, about, um, Russia being happy that. Oh, right. Yes. I, I think that people need to, um, remember or realize, recognize that, um, <clears throat> This is what we mean when we say fighting for Ukraine or fighting or assisting uh, Ukraine in its fight for uh, independence is also a fight for democracy because, you know, as, as, as they are finally coming out and admitting, they're saying the quiet part out loud, um, they have an agenda to um, uh, spread autocratic uh domination uh, in Europe as well as obviously over here as we see them influence. Um, and it is, it is really 
frustrating when we talk about how uh, the Ukraine war is financed because many people who don't understand it assume that the money that has been um, earmarked for our support um, of, you know, uh, in NATO as, as in our alliances is um, to, to battle against um, what we see as um, fascist regimes trying to um, create more dominance and, and put us in a, a, a very um, critical type space where it could lead to something like World War Three, or um, maybe not as extreme as that, but definitely some version of it. Um, that they think that this money that has been earmarked can is, if we didn't use it there, somehow it would be used here at home, and that's just not how it works. And it's partly because people don't understand things, and because of the fact that. Um, the GOP has done a phenomenal job, uh, along with uh, propagandists, to uh, make sure that people stay confused. That money can never be used for uh, for issues here at home once it's been earmarked, um, and and I don't think that. I don't, I don't know how to say it more clearly other than that's not how it works. And so that's another um, arm that we have to battle against. And it's another place where we have to make sure that we're educating people so that they do understand. It's, it's not that we don't care about what's happening at home. It's not that we don't care about um, food insecurity, housing insecurity, um, poverty, um, migrant issues, uh, actually not migrant issues, but uh, the this this idea that m immigration is uh, going to be a downfall for our country because of all of these um, alleged drugs that are coming across the border. When we all, uh, we we know, and and many people who are actually working in positions where they witness things uh, firsthand are telling us. That's not where it's coming from. It's not coming in the backpacks and the purses or the diapers of um, uh, immigrants who are trying to escape a, a, a country where they're definitely uh, being abused and exploited in such a way that they want to flee to our country to uh, gain some better benefits for themselves and their family and build a better life. But uh, that it's coming from a lot of it's coming from cargo and, and trucks. And from what I understand, you know, only one in five are being looked at. And there is because if they looked at more at first, I thought it was more of a, um, a staffing well, issue, like they don't have well, enough some of staff. it is being like shipped. It's not even yes, crossing yes. the border because and some of these are agencies, yeah. you know, like people who work for government agencies. Yeah, uh, they even <laughs> talked about the fact that it's sometimes it is government agencies, cops or, or agents that are, you know, federal employees or whatever have you. But it, it's it's that they're only checking one in five. So. You know, that's how a lot of it is slipping in, because if one in five is being checked, then then, you know, that's four other opportunities for them. I mean, let's really think about it. And it's not that they're they don't have enough 
people to check. They don't want to slow down the supply chain. There's so many different, there's so many intricacies that we haven't, that people aren't being aware, being made aware of, or um, being educated. They they want to paint this picture on uh, demonizing brown and black bodies. But you know, um, let's look at the fact that it's that's not how it's really getting here. That's not where the big, um, big dumps are coming from. And then even how about the fact that uh, the last big batch that they were talking about that they had um, discarded from somebody is is was was a young white male. <laughs> you know, I mean, so it wasn't even an immigrant it was an american citizen. most of the time is they're not that's the yes. other thing most of the time they are not immigrants who are you know i'm not saying not ever but that's that's just you know kind of not really uh, right. the case and it just goes to show you that the border issue is being um fomented to yes. uh to use as a campaign cudgel because there right now is a bipartisan group of um uh senators who have crafted legislation that actually has provided a lot of things that the um GOP has said that they wanted yeah and now they are not uh signing uh not wanting to sign it because it somebody to win Right. Somebody made a call, you know, the former guy and said, right. don't do it. You know, so this this again shows their hypocrisy. And there's also these militia groups that are um, being involved in this as well, like the same people that had the um, anti-vax um, um, convoy. Or they're being encouraged right. to have this um, convoy again. It's like a um you know, an insurrection at the border, basically, um, you know, again, likely being funded, you know, buses and things are being taken there and, and planned uh, just as they were for January um, 6. Um, Charlie Kirk got a huge, I can't remember the exact dollar amount, but the public's heiress um, gave him a lot of money for she she gave um another organization the organization that like kind of um created the rally the name escapes me and then the person who was the finance person of that event uh decided who to give it to and chart uh mutely mike um so oh. sister um decided to give a great deal of it to charlie kirk so that he could um put these buses, um, these uh, groups together to take on buses. And so the same thing, it's like they don't have to, you know, come up with any new ideas. They just kind of can rinse and repeat a lot of the things that have worked um, before for them. And this, again, is where accountability, once some of them start to be held to account. Um, it is not as likely um, that they will try these things again. But again, this kind of goes back to Russia, uh, that they love to use this border issue. And in fact, they uh, have tried to make the um, um, an issue for Finland, who just had an election, I think the first round of president. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking a look at that, keeping an eye on that. But 
because, you know, they've been accepted into NATO, he is sending um, migrants like they're busing them there pretty much like what, you know, Abbott and DeSantis are doing here. Um, Russia is doing to Finland, you know, and they have never in their history had, you know, uh, immigration problems and they're being flooded like they've had to shut their border down because, um, you know, they know that these are triggering issues um, that um, generate um, fears and concern that they can stoke, you know, these these culture wars into the populations of, of you know, different countries. And I did you want to say something? I, I'm sorry, I was talking with my mic off. I just wanted to um, just to bring it back to Texas for a minute. Um, I did post a story up there. And um, in it, it talks about the fact that the SCOTUS decision um, says that the Department of Homeland Security can remove the razor wire, but it never said that Texas had to stop using the razor wire. So I just wanted to say that I put in this note, um, the GOP plays within the gray areas to subvert laws until they can change the laws in black and white. And I just believe that um, if people don't understand that um, the the threat of autocracy and fascism is a global issue that we have to fight against, um, but make sure that we're securing home first in order for us to have the ability to fight it elsewhere. Um, they're mistaken. And it, it, it has derived from this QAnon, the every country that has a semblance of democracy was being targeted at the same time, you know, our country was being flooded with this QAnon crazy stuff, you know, so the same way Obama and Clinton and um, the Bidens were being demonized as um, being these ritualistic type people who were harming children and et cetera, et cetera. This was also happening in Germany, in uh, Great Britain, um, in and, and many other in Italy, um, even in France, it was happening everywhere. So it, we have to be cognizant of that. It is important that if we are securing our democracy and we see another country, an ally fighting for the same um, ability to um in, in, you know, protect its its citizens. We have to join in that fight because uh, this is global. The same way economy is global, democracy has become a global thing that we have to make sure that we secure. Absolutely, and I I want to read. I have posted the thread, but I want to read um, um, a thread that Timothy Snyder um, wrote. Um, yesterday and I have retweeted it because, you know, he also wrote on tyranny and I, I talk about uh, the lessons that he talks about. And it's not long, but I think it's very important. Um, he says, can a constitution defend itself? Germans have asked this question and given an answer. So far, for that matter, have Americans. In the history of both Germany and the United States, Today, the world's most important democracies, there came a moment when a minority willing to use violence sought to break the constitutional order. 
In both cases, this led to horrifying levels of killing and only then restoration in Germany or elevation in the United States of constitutionalism. That renewed or improved constitutionalism included the principle of constitutional self-defense. On January 23rd of this year, for example, the federal constitutional court denied state financing to an extreme right party known as Der Heimat, finding that it shows disdain for the free democratic basic order. Donald Trump, who participated in an insurrection in January 2021 and has provided aid and comfort to other insurrectionists then and since has accordingly been barred from participating in elections in Colorado and Maine, and now it looks like maybe Illinois. In other posts, I've discussed the legal, political, and historical issues involved in Trump's case, which he should lose. Here, I just want to note that the idea of constitutional defense is normal in major, in major democracies. And for excellent historical reasons, the crises of 1861 and 1933 are central to American and German political thought. This thread is my piece, Constitutional Self-Defense, a Constitutional Tradition with Immediate Relevance, and um, it is um, on his Substack. So um, if you subscribe to Substack, I suggest that you check it out. He also has quite a bit of material on YouTube, and um, you might find it there as well. I, I, I do find that I am able to access his information um, very easily, and I find it um, very good and succinct um, and, and poignant for the moment that we're in, because this is someone who has studied autocracies um, in the Middle East. Um, and so, as the historian John Meacham always said, you know, history may not repeat itself, but it de definitely rhymes. And we see a lot of rhyming going on here and people yeah. need to heed uh, the signs. You know? I, I think this was the same person that was on, um, I can't remember what show, and I'm not sure if this is him, but uh, what you said kind of uh, triggered a thought for me. It was that um or made me remember the 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 speak what the speaker was saying he said that america goes through these cycles of like you said uh reconstruction and restoration oh that was then, john machem yes because oh, okay and then he then it goes through um the cycle of revenge so we are currently in the cycle of revenge trying to get back to the cycle of restoration and reconstruction and people don't there's a large swath of people who do not want to see us get there because for some reason they feel that it would benefit them to keep us in this cycle of revenge and we know that everything the former guy is doing and has said and supports is nothing but revenge he says it 
almost in every campaign speech. He's basically running on retribution and revenge, you know? And um, like I said, I would encourage you guys, um, I will find it and probably try to repost it today, but I did post this great interview. It's very long, uh, but it comforts me uh, from uh, John Meacham. Um, it's about a three hour long. I, you have to take it in small bites and doses, but it really covers the, um, the history um, of our country. And it's done like not in a just, you know, boom, 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 fact kind of way, but with elegance, you know, his eloquence weaved in there and just um, in a way, um, much like Mark does with um, the law, uh, he does with history, he does it in a way to, you know, kind of like help you understand it's not in a, a condescending or an over your head kind of, you know, um, preachy or academic kind of way. It's just kind of like a friend talking to you about, you know, things that have happened in our history and, you know, like why it matters and, and these other things. So um, I just um, want to let you guys know that it has been a busy day for uh, both Gwen and I, and I know I have invited a couple of speakers. Up, I know. I'm know sorry. I apologize. No, 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 that's okay. The same thing. We both, we all, everyone in this room, I'm certainly thankful that you come and hang out with us and and share. And I recognize that many of you come and do so while you're working. I love you for that. And I know that some days the work just doesn't allow you to do that. And I understand and it's okay. We just, uh, I mean, we do prepare fiercely to have this conversation every week. I want you to know that, but we also are uh, flexible enough to go with the flow, even our own, because it is about saving our democracy. And, you know, it's just, um, you know, we know that and understand that, you know, the only thing constant is change. Uh, so, yeah, I just I have learned for my own peace of mind and productivity to go with the flow. And, um, you know, when things are just really busy, it is what it is, as they say. Uh, like today, um, I am going to have to do um, the pickup. So for my granddaughter. So if um, anybody would like to come up and speak, I would encourage you to request the mic now because I will probably be um, closing in about you know, 45 minutes or so, unless the conversation gets really heated up. But I mean, I feel like we've covered a lot in two hours. I hope um, that you guys um, learned a lot. And some days, you know, it just goes longer. And, and, and when it goes longer, it's because there's great information that has been shared. But I never, my purpose is never to come on here and stay forever. It's to, you know, stay until we feel like the job is done. We have, we have you know, kind of done all we could do in those conversations um, at this moment. And I have um, shared, like I said, quite a bit of information. So in the process, uh, before we close down, uh, make sure that you guys uh, look in the, the nets, the Jumbotron, and grab all of the great information that has been um, put up there because there's some great resources. And um, so um, just brought up um, 
Carol, so I'm going to give her an opportunity to speak and then Ingrid. And I know Geechee and Mark are very busy and they have said that if they could, they would come. And, you know, I, I hope that they can. Um, but if they are not able to, I certainly understand and, you know, uh, appreciate them when they are able to. And just know that we'll have that much more for them to share with us. Um, the next time that they're able to come in and share. So we're going to go with Carol. Then I'll hey. go back to Ingrid. Hello, Dee. Hello, Soul Sister. Great to see you and Mud Puppy and everyone. I can only talk a minute because I'm in the middle of a working day, but I, I couldn't help. I really needed to come up and just tell you how much I'm loving this space today. The laser focus on, you know, the threat of authoritarianism and the parallels. Um, I was feeling everything you were saying, Ingrid, because as you know, I was in Venezuela in a couple of years during the Chavez regime, and I, I witnessed a lot of things that, you know, have relevance to what you were mentioning, um, which I might talk about at some other time. But I did, um, I did take a look to try to figure out what this uh, subpoena is about in the House. I'm seeing two things. I'm seeing that they're, subpoena they're subpoenaing records that are supposed to help reveal um, some of Trump's uh, financial dealings with China. But I don't think that that is the same one. Um, I think that's there's actually two different subpoenas. And the one that we don't know that much about yet is this one that is coming from the Department of Justice for, um, you know, for the, for the, the house records mm -hmm. and this can really mean almost anything i mean it, it, i think yeah it's just it'd be interesting right. to watch it yeah the, well the we, one, we will just wait until you know we get the facts yeah, exactly. but we know they're they're coming so <laughs> um, they're on, we know they're on top of something so <laughs> exactly that's exactly really but anyway i just wanted to say thanks for the space and i'll i'll be listening um in the background and you know whenever i don't have a chance to listen intently because I, it, mondays are a really tough day for me especially this time of the day but um i always listen to the recording and i always appreciate you know i always grab all of the posts from the jumbotron i make sure i do that <laughs> and um and and it was just great thank you so much bye-bye well thank you i'm so glad that you were able to come up and share a little bit with us and like i said i understand like we have it you know at this time and i recognize it's not the same um you know for people in the evening you know in typical work days or whatever so i get it and you know it, it's okay and which is why it's always recorded because there is you know always good information that is shared and um so i appreciate you when you're not able to to really listen intently and everyone else um that um, you go back and listen, because uh, as I said, I, sometimes I re-listen and I learn something new. And that is kind of what we try to do um, when we host these spaces is to make sure that we're sharing um, information. And for me, like I said, I, I'm glad people share it. Like, I don't always have to be the first to, you know, break the news, but it's, it's always nice when we can. But more important for me is that we get the facts that, that they, that it's accurate, not so much that it's fast or, or first. And uh, so, 
I love that the folks that come in here understand the the quality and the integrity of the resources that we that we share and that they bring that same quality and integrity. And I appreciate uh, you all so much uh, for that. So Ingrid, over to you, my dear. Okay. Now I was um, on that note. I was thinking, remember when they, when I think Raskin said that they had two years of information, but uh, the other two years, the, the uh, Republicans are not allowing them to see it. So I right try, uh, the former guy's administration. Yeah. Yes. It, and it, and it yes. quite possibly could be that that sounds like, you know, um, a good guess. But like I said, I yes, don't like to do a lot facts. of gifts. Yeah, we yeah. So I know we're you know we got this far, and I know we're going to find out because we we have you know um, even though a problem with the media that you know they they're going to chase this sensational story, and then there are other you know great investigative journalists who are still you know have already been doing some work, and they have helped to um, you know bring the case or whatever with their work. So we're just going to keep waiting. For the facts to come out, and it seems like um, it's just it's going to be some accountability in Bob, or uh, or take us a closer a step to accountability. So I think yeah. that that is always a good thing. You know, I just wanted to um, bring back. Uh, I I know over the weekend uh, we saw a lot about um, civil war. And so I just want to say that um, the article that I posted, uh, I spoke about it earlier, um, bringing in the National Guards or federalizing the National Guards on behalf of, or, or, or you know, Joe Biden doing it on behalf of um, enforcing um, this uh, razor wire um, that is being put down in Texas is not going to be something that I think is going to be taken lightly. It is a decision that uh, is controversial just on its own head and especially during this time. And I really feel like part of the reason why um, Abbott is being defiant and um, these other GOP governors have signed on is to try to force his hand. Um, but Provoking an insurrection act is not um, for the faint of heart. Um, yes, we saw it used um, after Rodney King. Yes, we saw it used during other um, instances where the governors requested to the president to federalize um, National Guards for assistance in their states. But um, for a National Guard to be federalized by the president without an ask, um, I don't think... If I if I'm understanding it correctly, I don't think that that has happened since um, 1957 when they were um, trying to integrate the schools. So I think we have to sit and wait and watch this story develop, because, like I said, the SCOTUS decision did not prevent or does not prevent um, Texas from using that razor wire. It just, um, it, it, it makes sure that DHS has access to remove it um, when necessary and um, giving them access to a certain part of this uh, 
this um, section right at the border. I forget what the name of the park is called. Um, uh, is that, that Eagle big, Pass? Is that, I, I know. It that, was something else. It was Eagle oh. Pass. And then I think there was another one as well. I thought it began with an S, but I'm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not either. (laughs) Yeah, I'd have to go back to the article. And right now, I just don't want to deviate from where we are so we don't lose any connection. Or, you know, me, because today I'm discombobulated. But... um, You and me both. You heard my (laughs) pants move. I'm so sorry. I didn't (laughs) But I wanted to say that the story points out that 10 National Guards have died since what, um, what is deemed by Abbott as Operation Lone Star. This is, you know, the state's ability to control the border area. Um, And four have died by suicide. So, you know, this is is not just a a humanity issue in regards to uh, immigrants trying to cross the border and and being... um, abused. Uh, This is also something that is affecting our troops. And um, I consider National Guard our troops. So um, I'm, you know, maybe I'm categorizing it wrong, but that's how I see them. No, they're part, I mean, they're, they're like inactive. The the reason we have them is uh, so that we can, you know, use them. um, If, if need be, they can be activated. And once you get off active duty, everyone is required to serve an inactive period, which is like with your national guard. Right. So, you know, that's something that we have to be mindful of as well. So, um, this is the, these things are traumatic and, um, have the potential to be even more traumatic in an already dire situation. But, you know, uh, there is a good news story from Texas that I did want to highlight, and I did put the information in the the nest. I saw a tweet, and it said, Austin, Texas, um, has been giving for a year. They've been giving $1,000 with no strings attached uh, to its citizens. And it's part of their taxpayer-funded guaranteed income come program which was which kicked off in May 2022 and so um, during that time during this year's time uh, fewer people reported food insecurity and housing insecurity so far Austin is the only um, city in Texas that has taken part of this program um, but hopefully we see more of it and hopefully hopefully we see more states taking advantage of it. I do believe that, God, I believe it was yeah, over the, a year ago that and, California and also had a story Right, that it. young mayor uh, yeah. there uh, did that and, and another one somewhere else. So yeah. um, I like it because I think Me it too. helps to dispel the story that if people, you know, got this kind of money, they'd be lazy and wouldn't do anything or whatever. But yeah, I'm going to stop right there because Mark has come up and I know his time is limited today. Awesome. So we're going to let him. Yeah. So Mark, um, go ahead. Welcome and thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join and share um, in the conversation today. Hey, um, how's everybody doing? Hey, D. Hey, Soul Hello, Advocacy Arena. Um, this is going to be a huge week. We're just, just waiting any day now. Uh, where should I start? Um, I'll start with that subpoena. I, I just caught it, too, on my, on my, uh, my little run. Um, it's a grand jury subpoena. It's not directly from the Department of Justice, so there's some kind of something going on with regard to uh, grand jury and the grand jury wanting these documents. Um, it could be a lot of things. Um, I sense it's about co-conspirators that are actually members of the house. Um, so it could be pretty big. Um, 
especially if, if uh, the grand jury was, was made public in such in such fashion, um, having it be announced, I think it might be the last part of a grand jury inquiry because none of us knew that such an inquiry w- it was was happening, or maybe they did. I'm not sure, but the the grand jury subpoena sure tells it. So I think we're going to hear hear more about that uh, sometime soon. So we'll, we'll see what happens that. Um, the New York AG's case, uh, Judge Ingeron, uh indicated that he'll have his ruling before January 31st. It's January 29th, so I hope he's not waiting for the last day. Um, if you thought that 83 million uh, in in total damages, including 65 million in punitives, was uh, um, was big, wait till this uh, this ruling comes out from New York. I'm not quite sure that uh, Tish James is going to get all 370 million. Um, obviously that'll be perfect. I don't think the judge's attitude towards the Trumps and dismiss and dismissal of them um, in in chambers is is a telltale sign of as to how he's going to um, rule. Uh, but I think it's going to be significant. And um, and just with regard, just to you know clarify, with regard to the eighty three million, I know Trump uh, said he was going to uh, appeal, and then his horrible lawyer, the, probably the worst lawyer in the history of American jurisprudence, Alina Hoppe. Um, not only, not only does he have to put up an appeal bond, which could be the entire judgment. Uh, judge Kaplan's going to make that, make that choice. He, he has to pay cash to the court or, or get some kind of escrow. I don't, I don't think any banks are messing with him anymore. I know, uh, the bank in, over in Europe is not certainly, uh, they were part of this case and some people got well Dutch got some problems yeah, of their own. Yeah, Flavor Flav <laughs> has problems of their own, right? Um so I don't if, you know he's gonna have to put up some some cash. And if he tries to get it from his um from his uh supporters through uh fundraising, he has to tell them what it's for. It can't be like giving campaign money and, I, and I'll spend it to to put up this bond. That's it. that would be another crime. Um that would be illegal. So uh, you know he's even a he has 14 days to decide what he's going to do. Um, he might want to negotiate a, a lump sum payment. Um, obviously, he's going to spend a lot of money on appeals. And here's the thing about it. Alina Haba is so bad at, at being a trial attorney. She got a mouth on her, but she's so bad at being a trial attorney. Um, she, didn't preserve, um, she didn't preserve objections in the, in the process of the court. You have to pres- preserve objections um, in trial uh, in order to uh, uh, bring them as appellate issues. Just objecting um, when you say when someone's trying to enter evidence, enter uh, like for instance a document or a tweet into evidence, and you say no objection. Well, you waive your uh, objection uh, for error or anything like that um, to appeals. You can't bring up new, you can't bring up new objections in appeal that you didn't do in the trial. So she's so bad at her job and so inexperienced and should have never been uh, in that courtroom. Embarrassing everybody in, in uh, the legal community, even though she's representing Trump, it's, it's just a bad show for anybody what not to do. But she messed up her appeal. So um, and in civil courts, you don't get to you don't get a ineffective assistance of counsel like you do in criminal courts. Um, the only remedy Trump might have is to not pay her and then also uh, sue her for legal malpractice because she committed some very bad errors. And not only that, she's going to be in trouble with the bar if Judge Kaplan decides to uh, refer her to uh, the, um, um, the any one of the bar associations, either in New Jersey, New York, or or Southern District of New York. So she's going to be in some trouble because that the outright defiance of the judge and and not knowing how to talk to the judge was in part inexperienced, but it was also hubris 
and, and disrespectful. She showed the court disrespect. And I, I'm, um, I'm convinced that the jury saw that and probably would have uh, come back with less of a punitive damages had she been able to not only control her client, but control herself. So um, that's just, you know, the irony of that case. But this case is going to hit hard. And then also um, any day now, and we're waiting for the D.C. Circuit to, de to decide on this immunity um, on this immunity issue. I am hoping that it's just a matter of um, it's just a matter of how to get there. And the judges aren't aren't uh, the judges are disagreeing on how to get to know you don't have immunity because one of the justices is very is very conservative and she's going to be writing the opinion. So they're, they're, they've been for two weeks now, they've been sending each other drafts and they're still going. So. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it's not a two, one split. I'm hoping it's three, zero, maybe some concurrences. So I think it has to be that strong to send up to the Supreme court. Otherwise we're going to be in, be in for a wait uh, to see what the Supreme court's going to take it, uh, depending on how strong the opinion is. Um, they don't have to decide the entire thing. They can just decide this, just this case, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how they, how they come up. So there's a lot of things that are going to be happening, um, over the next, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, and then we have. Uh, we have uh, some trials that are dates that are coming up. If Judge Chutkin cannot get this case going um, in March, which she's not because she just set another case uh, uh, for trial in April. So she already just basically threw out the March date. Um, this case might not start till July. Uh, if the case gets rejected by the Supreme Court, um, we're not going to even get a, a, a trial date till July. If, it, if they accept it, trial date might not come till August and then we run up to that 60 day uh, issue. I'm not sure if special counsel is bound by the 60 day DOJ rule, but uh, that's going to be uh, an issue as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is going to be a, a great week. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening um, at the border. Um, and I've, I've heard uh, some of the previous speakers talk about the border deal. Obviously the GOP is playing games. Um, you know, DeSantis is trying to stay relevant, trying to uh, trying to get uh, engaged people in this Article 5 um, state uh, constitutional convention of states. Um, it, it's, 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 a, it's a much ado about nothing. Um, they need, they need uh, 34 states to, um, excuse me, 30, 33 states to uh, have a convention, but they need 38 to uh, pass a new amendment. So um, most of the Democrats. And they don't even have their, like, they don't even know, like, they don't have an, a, a constitutional amendment, you know, uh, blueprint like they do for, you know, like, they don't have a Project 2025 right, for right. that. And and that came from the Heritage Foundation saying that. Right. And so that they don't have a process. So there's no, there's like no rules. And and so it's, ne it's never been done in United States history. So I think that's a nothing burger. He's just trying to stay relevant. And trying to, uh, the South is trying to rise again, as, as we say. And I think the funny thing about some, and uh, as I close, the funny thing about uh, the Southern states that are trying to support Texas um, and this border dispute uh, is number one, they're not urging Congress to pass the border deal, which would give them the relief that they're asking for. That's number one. Number two, they talked about sending their National Guards down to, down to Texas. And the funny little thing about a National Guard is that um, they're National Guardsmen. And so, all the president has to do is federalize them, and then they, they work for the president, not their governor. Um, and then, and they take the same oath that every military person takes. Right, and they won't. <laughs> and, won't and it's it. Right, and it says, "I will obey the orders of the president of the United States." He is called the commander in chief 
for a reason. So, you know, like there's no, you know, there's no ambiguity in that at all. (laughs) As I, as I give my closing argument to this wonderful space on this wonderful day, um, there's a, there's a common theme uh, that I just even discussed here. There's a, there's a pushback against the rule of law, a uh, outright, an outright rejection of it in, in aspiration. Um, uh, to to reject the rule of law, to reject the constitution. I mean, this is, this used to be the the uh, staple of conservatism, uh, uh, the rule of law, and, and what the constitution says, and and textualism and originalism. And I find myself now. I mean, I, I'm like, what happened to me? Because now I'm a textualist and an originalist. Where before I was, I thought those were like just you know, I thought that was ultra conservatism because at the time the of the constitution was written. I wasn't, my existence wasn't really in the text. So I, I took that point of view. Now, since we have the amendments, I feel like they, they're like unhappy with the meaning of the words now, what, what they really mean. And, and they're, they're unhappy with how the 13th, 14th and 15th amendment has turned out. They're unhappy with, uh, especially the 14th amendment in section three. They don't want to read it exactly what it says. They want to uh, uh, basically give words new meaning, like, like, um, like on the border, uh, an invasion. They want an invasion to mean civil uh, civil migration, which it does not. That that's, that section uh, uh, in uh, uh, Article One, Section Ten, talks about invasion from a foreign power, not people trying to get across, trying to migrate uh, for asylum or otherwise. Uh, that's not an invasion. They, I, they tried that for about a week and it failed because nobody was like digging that. Um, and then also with regard to um, <clears throat> with regard to Section Three of the Fourteen, I'll call it just Fourteen Point Three. Um, you know, the, the mis- how they're misconstruing that thing. He's not an officer. Everybody knows he's a chief officer. It says the office of the president. He's an officer. I mean, what what the hell? Um, and, you know, it's just, and it's funny seeing all the conservative people who are just true lawyers, not even, they will vote for Trump, but they're just, you know, when it comes to the law, they're like, wait, the 14.3 says exactly what it says. I mean, you know, if he, if there's a factual basis that was found uh, that included due process, that's the only question, whether there was sufficient due process to establish the factual basis. And the, the uh, 14.3 stands for itself and it's self-executing at that point. So um, we'll see what happens with this Colorado case. The um, argument, I think, is on February 8th, um, the oral argument. Um, and uh, that's going to be uh, very nice. The, I know the, uh, the, Republican, um, um, the Republican plaintiffs who asked for this declaratory relief they filed a, a, a. They just filed their brief on Friday, and it's a hell of a brief. Uh, and it, and it I just knocks Trump's brief out of the water, which he didn't really. It's really not a good brief. And and just to close on this, he's running out of lawyers. Nobody wants to really work for him. So that's why the quality of uh, the the legal paperwork, the drafting, and the arguments is not as sound as as um, it should be because nobody wants to do this for him. Because number one, they might not get paid. Number two, their business is going to get shot because who wants to. Who wants to deal with the Trump lawyers? Anyway, great space. Um, I'm a I'm a kick back and listen. I'm always available for questions. And, you know, you know, I'm always arguing with people about little little legal things on on Twitter. So you can well, that's your job. That's <laughs> what you do. I mean, you're a lawyer, but every all of us are not lawyers. You know, I'm I'm a big believer in like staying in your lane. <laughs> well, one, one of the arguments that I that I got into recently over the last two days was about uh, Charlie Kirk and his defamation of Yusuf Salam and whether, you know, how it's defamation per se, what kind of damages he could get. Um, and, you know, since Yusuf Salam is a public official, 
Um, it, we're in New York Times, the case of New York Times versus Sullivan, which I think is a 1984 case where a, pu a public figure or a public official has to do more than prove what a regular person can do uh, with defamation. Um, they have to prove actual malice, um, which be becomes a defamation per se, where damages are assumed, but he would still want to prove up damages because he was, uh, he was adjudicated um, factually innocent uh, when, the, when the conviction was vacated. Um, and so all the, in a defamation case, all the judge would have to do is take judicial notice of that factual determination by court order that he was innocent. And then Charlie Kirk is up Ships Creek. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. With, uh, he took, I already took it down after a day. I know they're trying to see if it got left up for a couple more days. That's more, every day is like, a, you know, $100,000 uh, at least. Um, but ma the malice part gives the, the punitive. So we just saw that last week in the Carroll case. One of the things they had to decide was their damage to reputation and how to compensate that. But then they also made a finding, the jury did, um, that. Oh, check your mic. Mark, we just lost you. The Matrix got him. <laughs> Hello, Mark. Dang it. <sighs> we were getting great information. I know. As always. Of course. Expect nothing less. Maybe he'll pop back, but I'm glad that I had a chance to get Geechee before we closed um, because I know he was also very busy and he wanted to share. Uh, so, Mark, if you can hear me, if you get your mic back, um, we'll let you you finish up with your thought there. Uh, but I'm going to for the sake of time, I'm going to move um, to Geechee and then we're going to start to wrap up. And again, I just want to thank all of you uh, today who have come and participated in the conversation and those you know who have actively spoken. Certainly um, grateful for your contributions and your voice um, in the space, but just as grateful for those of you in the gallery listening, because um, that, too, is very, very important. And I know um, that, you know, you take the information that you um, hear here and, you know, you carry it on. So the ripple effect, um, you know, works. And I appreciate you all for that. So Geechee, how are you today, sir? Very busy. Yeah, huh? um, of course, I, I get up late. Now I'm, I'm on my way to work. I am just stopped in to get um, some spring rolls and some Thai tea. So Oh, you're making me hungry. <laughs> so I'm doing that before I go back into work. I have 4.30 meetings, so I've been kind of scatterbrained um, this morning. Um, again, it's always awesome space. I always learn so much from everything. I am grateful for all those that spoke today because from them I learned a lot. Um, but I really don't have much to say today, but I want to once again thank you and Soul Sister and all those that showed up for Joseph's Space. There has to be more than just a few of us that are doing spaces. Um, and I'm so grateful that y'all showed up as, um, and also to all those others that showed up that also host space that came to support him. I think the best thing we can do is showing that we support each other. And I'm so grateful that so many people showed up to support him. So especially all I have today, um, I'm going to South Carolina tomorrow. I'll also be in South Carolina, I believe this weekend. Yeah, I'll be in South Carolina also. Um, on the, I'm coming back on the first and then going back on the second, and then I'll be driving people to the polls again in Jasper County and and Colleton County and having a good time speaking to the elders about what they think about, what they love, what they're worried about, what are their concerns. 
Um, I love doing it. Um, so I look forward to it. I feel blessed that I'm able to do that and also to be able to speak to our elders who have so much wisdom. So that's all I have today. Again, thank y'all for hosting these spaces. Y'all do a wonderful job and I enjoy them every single Monday. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm glad that you just came in to give us just that that bit of encouragement. And I want to um, encourage you and Joseph to continue doing the great work um, that you're doing. Um, and as you said, you know, more conversations, more spaces, uh, more interaction in real life um, with people that ripple effect is going to take all of us. It's it, like it is all hands on deck. Um, at this point. And, you know, with that being said, I am going to start to to wind down. It has been a fabulous space, but I just want to leave you with a little fun um, news that we can be looking for um, the uh, details to come out about it. But it seems like um, perhaps uh, Bobart, I, I know that she had a straw poll. They had a straw poll out there and she came in fifth. So, <laughs> yay. Um, oh, and, yes, glorious news. Yes, but secondly, it seems that, you know, she's um, about to go through some things because um, they have filed a lawsuit against her and they is the uh, American muck, uh, muckrakers and they are a uh, pact out of North Carolina and they were very involved in uh, kind of gathering information that maybe it wasn't, you know, like directly the cause, but it certainly helped, um, you know, kind of um, get uh, some attention paid and not in a good way to uh, Cawthorn and um, probably caused him to lose his um, his election, his re-election. And so now they are on to Bobart and they are, you know, they know that they, they were friends, they were buddies. And, um, you know, they're talking about, um, you know, the, in, in the documents, let me see, I will put it up in, in, in the nest. Uh, it's from political, uh, politics video channel. Uh, and the guy that, you know, it's talking is, is David uh, Wheeler. And, you know, they have some of the court documents and things around it, too. But um, I think that they're um, suing her because she falsely, um, uh, she vowed on some claims um, to um, uh, uh, maybe, you know, when she was getting into Congress, um, some other things that, you know, she has denied, of course, you know, she's been arrested, that she was a uh, some type of exotic dancer. She was an escort and some other things. So, you know, I think maybe I don't know if this is a, a defamation defamation kind of suit or not, but they're going after her. So please look at that. I just kind of stumbled up on that late uh, in the wee hours of the morning. But I kind of think like it, it's just maybe that that time of year because it's been kind of a hectic day um, and um, weekend for my co-host and I. And um, as Mark said, it is going to be a, a very busy week. So just um, stay woke, everyone. And, you know, um, continue to share, support one another, as, as Geechee said, with information and you have spaces. And for those of you who may not have been here earlier, I know I get a lot of invites and I appreciate them. I don't want you to stop sending them, but please don't take it personal or your feelings hurt if I'm not able to attend uh, because I am um, 
have a lot of in real life things going on. And I also like to protect my own peace. Um, I'm getting very, um, just um, very selective in, in the spaces and things that I go into um, and the conversations that I have with people, especially online, because we are in such a, you know, like a, a very dangerous and very toxic place in this country. And um, for me to be able to keep my peace, my head on straight and to provide the information that, you know, I try to provide to you here, I need to tune that out. I told you, you know, part of one of my coping mechanisms is compartmentalizing. And so sometimes that means shutting voices and, and, and things out. So I just wanted to let you guys know I support you. Keep doing the great work you do, but don't feel bad if I don't come to your space because, you know, if I took every invite, I would be doing nothing but be in spaces. And then I wouldn't be able to prepare um, resources and find information to share with you here, uh, nor would I be able to have quality time with my granddaughter and, and help her in the ways that I need to here in real life. So um, just again, know that I am there with you in spirit. And I just would encourage you all um, to, if you are having spaces, to take advantage of making sure, as Joseph did and many others, to try to have um, specific focus and topic for your space and stick to that because it will help guide your conversation and help you have productive conversation. Unless, of course, you're just having fun spaces, which like I don't, you know, I want to encourage you to do that, too, because Nir does that. And I try to go in there and join him because it's a way to decompress like these, you know, the political things are getting tough and and they get heavy. So sometimes it's good to laugh like everyone. Every space doesn't have to be about politics. We can do other things because I feel like that's part of us, um, our self-care um, as well. So I want to encourage all of you to continue your self-care in that way. And, you know, like I said, don't feel compelled to have a um, a political space. Um, but if you do have one, make sure that you are prepared uh, so that you are able to detect misinformation or disinformation that is occurring and don't allow that. Like, I'm not a proponent of arguing back and forth with MAGA that is blue MAGA or red MAGA. We are in an extreme crisis. We are in an urgent state here. Um, I mean, if you want to waste your time, um, you have all of that energy to do that, then have at it. But it is very draining to me because it doesn't I, I don't feel like it changes anything or advances us. And right now we need to do all that we can uh, to create this fire hose of truth uh, because we're a little behind. Um, and so put some energy into that. I know it may be a little boring. It may not get you the kind of engagement that sensational stuff does. But at this point, it's not about um, the number of people so much as it is the quality. Um, and it, too, can grow exponentially, too. And maybe we can change some of the algorithm and the behavior um, by do changing our behavior or the way that we engage in these people. And also keep in mind that they're going to be coming out of the woodwork. Elon is unleashing them. Um, Charlie and Mike 
uh, Flynn have been training uh, for this because they want a culture war because guess what that does? It takes our focus away from the real issues that is, are going on. It takes our focus away from uh, promoting um, the good things that this um, administration is doing. And I say that, you know, like all that we can, we need to support the administration, amplify their messages, uh, look for uh, and find and vet good candidates um, to help make sure wherever you can, wherever you are, that you know who is running, that you encourage uh, people to run uh, and that you um, help us to ensure that no Republican anywhere runs unopposed. <laughs> okay. Um, so with that, I am going to give my fabulous co-host an opportunity to give us some closing words. And then I'll close us out with, you know, the encouraging words that help me um, go on with my week and to feel uh, focused and motivated and energized. Thank you so much, Dee, and thank you so much, um, everyone, for this space. I do think that it was an incredible one, and I'm glad we were all here together to uh, have breaking news, um, and we will impatiently wait to hear more about it. Um, just to remind everyone that spring fundraiser with Clinton, Obama, and Biden, that, that's going to take place around March or April. Um, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, in regards to spaces, I do want to say that those fun spaces often give us a chance to come together in a different way um, and appreciate our diversity as a group and a community working towards democracy. So I also want to say, um, uh, please uh, don't hesitate to do those <laughs> as well. Um, they are, they keep us, they keep us sane during these times. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, um, but if I did, it's worth mentioning again. There is um, a, a post from Sahil Kapoor um, in regards to um, the 17 seats, red to blue. I think I did mention it, but um, anyway, I will just name off the states. It's Arizona, California has several, Iowa, Michigan has one, Montana, Nebraska, New York, I think has a couple, Oregon, um, Texas, and Virginia. So please check out that article. And, um, you know, there's there are ways that we can support. It doesn't always have to be donations of, of, of money. It can be a donation of time, uh, you know, phone banking, postcards, letter writing, etc. Uh, or, or even just amplifying um, amplifying the candidates that um, are, are running in those seats. So please take a look at that and um, make sure you're well informed. Uh, today has been awesome. Uh, I want to say I really enjoyed your space, Joseph and, and Geechee, and uh, you know, there's a wealth of knowledge that's being shared in that space and, and, and others that um, I often attend. But I am looking forward to um, being a regular in your space, Joseph. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it. It is nice sometimes to be an ear hustler versus um, a host because I can take in a lot more and... Um, I participate in a different way, and sometimes that's nice as well. Um, it's it's really important that we keep striving to uh, amplify the administration's messages in in a way that um, we see 
uh, is lacking. Uh, there, there is a desert right now in regards to how um, MSM is is treating this um, this election season. Um, this is not, and I I hate horse races, but this is not a typical horse race. And for them to be um, acting as if it is just a regular horse race is um, unnerving. Uh, it's frustrating. And um, any way that we can combat that is um, always a good thing. Um, you know, we have two, two candidates that are on total opposite ends of the spectrum. And one is an actual criminal um, and, and one is not. Um, Joe Biden has done an amazing job for this country. And uh, I don't understand how uh, that message isn't just um, reaching out to each and everyone unless those people are just being contrarians. And, and, and there are many that are. And what you're going to find as you go into these very different spaces that I call energy sucking, um, uh, sometimes the contrarians are just being contrarian because uh, you nail down and you, you you hammer on them and they will say that they are voting for Biden-Harris. But in the meantime, the slander that they're repeating, the the complete outrageous garbage that is being spewed does significant damage. And those are spaces that I do not want to be a part of. And I am going to choose um, wisely. And uh, I, I don't mind saying that. And if I'm in a space and it starts going downhill, I don't mind leaving. I do not care. It is not, it is not my job or obligation to sit and um, inject myself with um, poison. Basically, um, no, I'd rather stay healthy and um, energetic for what's to come. You know, it's very busy and not just um, politically, but also in our home lives. You know, I do have a teenage son and and I love him to death. But um, being an only child, you know, I'm his I am his go to person and it makes a difference. And while I enjoy our conversations and I love that he's politically politically engaged and he is and his friend group is it it uh that's another place where i'm spending time educating uh future voters of america so um i don't mind that job i take it on with um pleasure and with pride and um i don't think that that's a bad thing and so that's where i'm going to expend my energy where i think that it's actually going to make a difference but i just want to thank each and every person that came in today um whether you just listened whether you contributed whether you um asked questions or whatever have you just happy to have you here and um i am grateful for the engagement of conversation and dialogue and um information that is exchanged in this group and in this space and uh there's nothing like it um that is one thing that i will say there is nothing like a d space you know um it is just run differently it is just it gives off a different vibe and the information is 
um, very centered around a common goal of fighting for democracy. So um, that's where I'll be. Yes, I will follow her. So um, thank you so much. I'm uh, I, I'm gonna give hand this mic back over to Miss D, and um, I hope you guys all have a great evening. And we look forward to seeing you in our second month of the year. It's already here, um, so we'll stay posted in, on the news and uh, take care, everyone. Yes, because we start um, Black History Month um, on Thursday, and so we will definitely be sharing lots of information then. Uh, so I hope that you will join us for all of that because our Black History Month coverage is always excellent. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't want to belabor the point, but very good advice, Soul Sister. And I'm just reminded of uh, advice that a good friend of mine who is also a psychologist psychologist. Uh, told me is that like don't let people use your ears for a garbage can <laughs> okay so just keep that in mind um, and with that the words of the late great representative John Lewis do not get lost in a sea of despair be hopeful be optimistic our struggle is not the struggle of a day a week a month or a year it is the struggle of a lifetime. So never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I just want to thank all of you for coming and getting in good trouble with Soul Sister and I um, here every week. And for each and every one of you that come and share and contribute, um, you know, resources. Some people send me resources and they never come up to speak. And I, I want to tell you that that too is important and means a lot to me because I do do a lot of uh, research and I have my means, but I am always open to people giving me information, even if I already have it. Um, better too much than not enough. So I just want to encourage you all to keep doing that, doing it for one another and encouraging those who are doing special works and and has special focus to uh, support their their work and and their contributions um, like mud puppy and and her dark money charting and and documenting i think that is so very important and um also i see my friend retta here and he is one of those people who actually has some great fun spaces. He often has Josh um, in to entertain us with his uh, impersonation. So, you know, these are spaces that can lift us out of the moment and energize us, make us laugh. We need to continue to do that um, and, and give us energy for the fight ahead. This is going to be a long schlock. Uh, as Geechee had said before, in his space um you know that he and joseph uh had that like we are going to be entering one of the longest general elections um in you know our recent history and if maybe ever and we've got to be ready energized for the fight because it is truly the fight of our lives so i just want to encourage you all to keep making noise and getting in good trouble and um, sharing our conversation um, 
and you know certainly retweet and share the space grab the resources that are there and um make sure you come back and join us next week because we will be um starting our black history month series and continuing our dive into uh project 2025 it's an ongoing thing um so uh, please come back and join us again next week same time same place and with that i want to wish you all a fabulous week ahead um and leave you with peace and blessings <music>